Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The lines are blurred between the living and the dead. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? I just watch a wrestling show ever in my life. I don't want the lines blurred between the living and the dead, Rich. I just want to watch guys wrestling. Rich Krage. He's, He's wearing, wearing it. A He's wearing it. Shirt. It's a button That's up shirt. shirt. It's blue and it's purple. And there are purple drafts all over his fucking shirt. Apologize to me right now, everybody. Rich, take that dub. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? How you feeling? More importantly, people were worried after after last week, but uh, the voice is back. I don't know good. what they're worried about. I I told them there was nothing to be concerned with. I was not ill, um, and everything is fine. You know. So um, I will say this though: you, we might have to start to show over. I'm looking at the run sheet here. Um, you seem to have forgotten, despite me reminding you that MLW Burning Crush. <laughs> That's not was a this thing. Past week That's we... not a thing. Stop. You have to stop with this. Re- You've been talking all I mean, day I... with this burning. What's it called? Burning Bush. What's this thing called? MLW what? MLW Burning Crush. Not a thing. It's it, not a thing. No, yes, it did. It Where? Premiered. Where do you watch this thing? What do you mean? You it's, not it on, on, it's not on. It's not on a Triller TV Plus powered by Fight. No, see, I'm looking at it right now. If you'd let me get a word in edgewise okay. here, I can explain okay. you. you. You seem to be confused with the new MLW broadcast schedule. You you don't see. Here's what they do. Where's Fusion? What happened to my Fusion? You know, you really are a piece of work. I'm okay, trying to explain go, go, this. Go, 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 go. Trying to explain I'm this. I'm done. I'm done. They give you a pay-per-view on the fight. Okay, yeah, this is what you're looking at. Coming up in, in Intimidation Games, February 29th, coming right around the corner, baby. How do they have another pay per view? How do this company always have pay per views oh. coming? I never know because when they're coming, and they're always just about to be here. 
This one's in seven days. I swear to God they had one a week ago, right? Start. Yeah. Well, yes, that's what they do. Listen. Listen. Less talky, more listen. Okay. There's no more fusion. So what they'll do is give you a pay-per-view on fight, such as one shot. Do you remember the one shot? I remember the one shot. Yes, yes. Super fight. King of Coliseum. We, We remember all these. Correct. And then later that night, or on the same night, they will then tape a series of matches for a YouTube streaming special oh, okay. that okay. will air at a later date. Okay. Right. Okay. So here, remember we just reviewed Super Fight yes. a few weeks ago? Yes, yes, yes. Which was on the 3rd of uh February. That's the show where Satoshi Kojima <laughs> two upset. pay-per-views in February? This is what I'm saying. This is too many pay-per-views. This is where he upset Alex Kane for the title right. and they had Mystico versus Averno, right? Mm-hmm. Well, on that same night in Philly, in the hallowed <laughs> where they always run. Arena, where they always the run. American, the American Corrigan, okay? They also taped Burning Crush. Burning Crush, okay. Which then aired two weeks later on the 17th of February this week on YouTube as a YouTube special. This is what they do now. There's no fusion. Fusion's done. Pay-per-view. Fusion's over. Fusion's done. You get a pay-per-view on fight. On that same night, they record a YouTube streaming special that airs a couple weeks later. Rinse, repeat. Next pay-per-view is Intimidation Games. On the 29th, Leap Year. On that same show in New York City, they will record Once Upon a Time in New York, which will then air on YouTube on the 16th of March. Got it now? I got it. Okay. So every time they have a show, it's a pay-per-view and a taping for a streaming Or it's one of these streaming specials or whatever. Okay. Because you kept saying it like it was. Same night. Okay, because you're, you, you're, 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 you're making it sound like it was a pay-per-view. And that, I guess that was my fault because you were not you were saying Burning Crush or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Where do I find this? And I looked on Fight. I didn't see it. And I was like, you're making this thing up. There's no way this is true. I'm it's not saying. your fault. I'm just saying Burning Crush was taped the night of Super Fight. And it didn't air until this week. Intimidation Games will be on the 29th. Locked and in on that. They, I'm locked in. We're good. That's right. Instant Reaction Live. Tape. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you... We're not doing it. <laughs> they, will, they will tape. Keep waiting. Keep waiting for the link. It's coming any minute now. I'm up, for, I'm up for I'm into the MLW now. And then they will tape Once Upon a Time in New York, which will then air on the 16th of March. And then two weeks after that is War Chamber. See, every two weeks there's something. War Chamber. Okay. Going back to Florida for War Chamber. That's March 29th. Then they're coming here neck of the woods in Cicero for Azteca Lucha. Yeah, which I'm going to try to go to. I think I'll be around for that. So, Burning Crush was the YouTube special that aired this week. And, I, I, and I'm not seeing it on the run sheet. I, I, I reminded you multiple times. Well, I'm now, I'm now discovering this. it is actually real. And, I, and I've, I've punched it up on my second monitor here, so I will watch it on in the background. Uh, obviously, I will not be able to give a thorough review. I, I, I honestly figured you were making that up. Because I just figured there was no way there could be another MLW pay-per-view so quickly after Super Fight. But now now it, it makes a little bit of sense. So I apologize for, for not including 
MLW, I, the Burning Crush. Listen. That's what the the video says. The Burning Crush here. So I don't know. The but Burning Crush. But the graphic just says Burning Crush. So I get why you would maybe be confused. But the graphic says the Burning Crush. Or the, sorry, the, the title I, well, on YouTube I, says the Burning Crush. So clearly, I was in charge of the title on YouTube. But the 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 name of the show, I believe, is. Uh, well, we could go with the Burning Crush. Yeah, I mean that's works, what it says for me. You know, the world of MLW. Yeah. yeah, the Burning Crush. Yeah, but um. Listen, I, I'm surprised you, you've been caught off guard because you should know better than anyone that the world of MLW never stops. It really does and, not. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And here you are just assuming that it would have stopped at some point. I thought for at least like a week or two it would have stopped. But that, that I, I when will I learn? When will I learn well, that the world of MLW never new, stops? Do you have their new schedule? You, you understand it now. I got it now. I got it. Yeah, I'm locked in now. Much like you, I am now locked in on MLW. So Locked in. Yeah, good to go. And like I said, I have it on the on, on my monitor here. So uh, whenever you are ready Lock to talk in. about it, Listen. yeah, I give you time to uh, give me uh, take in the action. An hour and fifty three minutes. My yeah. God. Yeah. Now Just, listen. Who needs that much MLW? Uh, what are those tapings like? Holy crap! Yeah. How many hours are you there for? I guess just four, right? Because I guess it, this is four. it. Yeah, about four hours. I've been doing MLW taping. Doesn't doesn't move very quickly, but that was in the fusion days, so it's possible it moves a little quicker. Those, you know, because those pay per views don't wear out their welcome. They're they're in and out. In no, they're hours. pretty neat and tidy. They're neat and tidy. They're, they're neat and tidy two hours, which is about as much as you can take. <laughs> That's about the limit That's... of MLW that any normal human yeah. can, can withstand. Now, now the YouTube, but like you know, the burning crush here. <laughs> the talent level isn't quite. You know the same caliber as the paper. Okay, because I guess that that would be my question yeah. to you then is like, what? Why would I ever buy the Triller TV Plus powered by Fight pay per views if I can just? Now I guess those are all included on my Triller TV Plus powered by Fight uh, subscription. But if the, like MLW is one of the big hooks for why you're you're subscribing to that, I, that that I guess would be my next question is why would I why would I watch those when I have these free things on YouTube? But you're telling me these YouTube shows are, are lesser than. Super fight or intimidation games. Yeah, you're not getting the big title matches. You know, they're, they're building to the next pay per view. No, AJ Frank on this show because you're getting him on intimidation games, baby. He's everywhere no, no, these no. days. No, Frank, that, well, Frank debuted on The Burning Crush. Oh, okay, okay. He showed up in a promo and challenged Alex Kane. <laughs> right as you said that, there's the face. There he is on there the screen. Is, right? I'm looking right at it right now. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. Challenging Oop. while he's at his well, worst. Know, while Alex Kane is at his worst, here comes AJ Frank. Is that his name? That's is that what he's going by? Going by AJ Francis. And um, you know, Beaumayer is for the people, as you know, Rich, yeah, right? Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. Well, 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 I know you have it on mute. Francis says, No, 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 no. You're not for the people. I'm for the people. So it's a it's a battle over the people. The people. Okay. Yeah. So um that's the that's why he's challenging him. So if he would have challenged him a couple days earlier, he could have got himself an MLW World Title. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, a very time. savvy move by, by, <laughs> by Francis. But um, I believe they'll be having their singles match at uh, the Intimidation Games, right? Um, Let me double check that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. No, they, no, 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 no. Got to wait for that one. Alex Kane's taking on Bobby Fish at Intimidation. Oh, games. where's the lie? Where's the lie, Bobby Fish? Hell yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know when they're doing the AJ Francis um 
maybe war chamber no yeah maybe war chamber i guess does francis live in florida i think he does yeah he he? lives in florida yeah all right well then it would make sense if he'd be working the florida show that's war chamber right or maybe he's gonna head up to azteca lucha take on alex kane in uh in in my backyard cross your fingers wouldn't that be a nice oh man that would be nice yeah yeah so anyway that match is coming at some point but uh I'll give you a chance to get through it. You okay. know, yeah. you, you gotta... <laughs> I'm working my way through. Uh, Let me know. Yeah, when you I'm get about to, 11 uh... minutes in, so I got about an hour and 48 minutes left to go. But yeah, we're we're working through it. Yeah, let me know when you get to the uh, lumberjack and Jill match Ugh. between Brett Ryan Gosling and Love Dog. Let me know uh, when you get to that one. Oh, and no, <laughs> and I know we're hitting the. Home I stretch. thought they were done. I thought that feud was no. over. It's not over. Okay. Well, you thought wrong. But <laughs> Damn see. It. That's what they give you on the YouTube stuff. Okay. Well, that's what they gave you on the pay-per-view, too. A lot of it. That's what they gave us on the pay-per-view as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, no, it's um, it's a very backloaded show. You're going to get Ricky Shane Page against Jake Christ for the open weight, national openweight title. Mm. Yeah. You're going to get a little Tom Lawlor versus Matthew Justice. Okay. As uh, World Titan Federation takes on the... Uh, whatever those guys call themselves. The second gear crew, second gear crew, second gear crew that as that feud rolls on. Hey, listen, you're going to get a little cozy max, a little cozy max against uh, Davey boy, Smith jr. And Richard holiday. So you get Kojima and uh, Okamura. Okay. And then the main event, the Bakli brawl, Jacob Fatu. <laughs> the what? <laughs> Excuse me. The, the Bakli brawl, you know, Jacob Fatu against Mads Kruger. Oh, He's oh, back, baby. God damn it. See, now they're billing him as Mads Cruel Kruger. Oh, so he's both. He's, 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 he's yeah, his indie and his MLW name all put together. Great. Now, I, I don't know if I would remind people that he's like the terrible indie worker Cruel. Make, <laughs> right? like, just, yeah, maybe it's best the distance. <laughs> maybe it's best the distance for that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, spoiler alert, that was Fatu's last night, so you could figure out how that one may have ended. Mm, okay. But, All right. um, that's what you're uh that's what you're in store for. All right, well you, you're gonna have to kind of do the heavy lifting then because I'm gonna be focused, locked in, mind you, on uh um, I'm, I'm more than right. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of getting into the MLW, I gotta be honest. There does AJ Francis live with like seven other people? Why are there so many cars in his? But none of them are like luxury cars. Well, the, <laughs> there is like, cars. There's so just there. like there's a Sprinter van. There's like a BMW, and then there's just yeah. like a Corolla, like a, and then there's like, like a, a like a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And then, but there's a lot of cars, yeah. but none of them are luxury. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Like a Volkswagen Jetta, right? <laughs> there's like a hatchback there. There's some guy's hatchback. It's like yeah. a Volkswagen Golf in the background too. And I'm like, I mean, it's good to have. I, is it that cool to have like six like decent cars? Or do you, I mean, would you want to trade those all in and get the Ferrari or something like that? You know? Does he? Yeah, he looks like he lives on a commune or something like that. I don't know what's going on there, but anyway, good for him. Well, I, I want to know what's in that Sprinter van. <laughs> what does he do with the Sprinter van? I don't know. Okay, that's nurse showing up in the background. All right, all right. Um, so I'll, I'll be locked in. We'll be ready to go. 
for uh, later in the night. But we got a lot to cover tonight. It's a loaded, loaded so much on this show. flagship. So. We are going to talk about Wrestle Universe increasing their pricing, but adding new promotions to the mix uh, and discuss the state of Zero One, which I'm still trying to kind of figure out right now as well. But they're going to be on Wrestle Universe, sort of, sort of, sort of. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Hangman Page, is he actually hurt? Is it a work? We're going to talk about that as news kind of rolled out uh, today. We're going to preview the most impassioned and detailed WWE Elimination Chamber Perth preview you are going to get is going to happen right here. We Nobody breaks down a WWE PLE like we do here on the flagship, and you are going to get yet another amazing, in-depth, just just non just breaking it down like nobody else is going to break it down. Elimination Chamber Perth preview coming up later uh, on the show. TNA No Surrender. Yes, TNA has a pay-per-view. You might not know that MLW has a special on YouTube like me, but you probably know that TNA has a pay-per-view this Friday. TNA No Surrender 2024. We'll talk about that show uh, as well as some other stuff going on in the world of TNA. Obviously, since the Scott Demore thing has happened, there's been a lot of different moving parts going on in TNA. Uh, Josh Alexander's contract option was exercised. Hourglass emoji tweets. We're going to talk about all of that. We'll preview New Japan's new beginning in Sapporo, night one and night two. Uh, the final nights for Okada as well as Tamatonga uh, and some big spots for, for Matt Riddle and, and Nick Nemeth uh, on these shows as well. We'll do a detailed review, earnestly detailed review. I was joking, as you could probably tell by the uh, Elimination Chamber preview, but a actually detailed review of Repro High Stakes 2024 featuring Michael Oku and Will Ospreay in the main event. A lot of buzz about that match, and we're going to talk about it there. Uh, and also... Talk about Jennifer Pepperman being hired by AEW as vice president of content development. But we wanted to start this show because it's been maybe a week or two since we've had a chance to kind of talk about the latest with the Vince McMahon WWE lawsuit going on. Uh, and obviously there's there's some stuff trickling out about it, but mostly we've heard kind of the same stuff over and over. The, the, the one thing this week that I think did pop up a little bit that maybe got some people's antennas up was Paul Roma going on news nation news nation, again, continuing to be like the number one source uh, of actual interviews about this entire case, which just blows my mind. But, News Nation uh, talking to Paul Roma and Paul Roma bringing up the Jim Power story, which I assumed that most people knew, but it seemed like this week a lot of people didn't know the Jim Power story. So if you don't know the Jim Power story, uh, essentially Paul Roma, his tag team partner in the Young Stallions was Jim Powers. And Jim Powers told the story many, 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 many years ago that he was propositioned by a member of the WWE staff or WF staff at the time to, you know, do whatever, whatever sexual thing that they wanted if they wanted to get a push or if they wanted to move up the ladder and all that sort of stuff. Jim said, no, I'm not going to do that. And Roma and Jim have been on record many times over saying that that's the reason why their team broke up, why they didn't get to push, why they didn't get focused on and, and all that sort of stuff. And Jim Powers always brings that up is that uh, that was the moment where when I said no, that's when all my thing, everything went away for me. And that was during the time when the Ringboy scandal was going around, when the Mel Phillips thing was going on, when the Tom Cole thing was going on. So there was a lot of other things at that very similar. So it got kind of lost in the mix of all the other things. But unfortunately, I think that entire period has kind of gotten lost to history where now people are just now, you know, new, new fans are just now learning about Jim Powers, about Tom Cole, about Mel Phillips, all that sort of stuff that 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 speaks to the culture that the Janelle Grant lawsuit brings up is that this is what this culture of this company not only just was in the in recent years, but it pretty much has been for the last 30, 40 years. So that's kind of the big story there is people learning about the Jim Powers story and maybe digging in a little bit more into what was going on. I know there was also another ring boy. I don't think he didn't put his name to it, right? If I'm, it, 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 do, Did you read this thing as well? I don't think this person put their name to it, but there was another person that worked as a ring boy in WF around that time, basically saying that, yeah, being around Mel Phillips was very weird, very creepy. He always wanted to wrestle. He wanted to put his feet on my genitals, that sort of just weird, 
you know, the Mel Phillips stuff that we all know and hopefully all know. If you don't know, you can look it up on your own. I don't really want to get into the details uh, of the Mel Phillips thing uh, here. But again, more speaking to the culture that has been going on in that company for, for a very, very long amount of time and the culture that, that Janelle Grant and, and in that lawsuit brings up that, yeah, this is, this is the culture <laughs> that was that all this was happening in. So, of course, it would be you know just swept under the rug or, or, or at best – or at, at worst, I guess I should say, encouraged, you know, uh, across the uh, the company. So that's kind of the latest that's come out. And uh, any thoughts on those before we get into some of the comments of, of Cena and Orton and a few other people that, that have kind of spoken about this uh, uh, recently? But anything on the Paul Roma or, 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 or the new Ring Boy uh, uh, coming forward? Well, I didn't even see the new Ring Boy story, but, um, you know, the Mel Phillips stuff has been well documented. You know, there was an article by David Bixenspan a couple years ago. I don't remember what site published it but that really goes into um <clears throat> great detail on on the mel phillips stuff but um if anybody wants to read that now the stuff with the young stallions they were a tag team from 87 to 89 basically all of 87 all of 88 and then they broke up in early 89 and those accusations from powers corroborated by paul roma aren't even anything new you you can hear them talking about that stuff going back a decade or more on shoot interviews. Yeah, any any shoot with either of those guys that would that would be brought up, right? So Paul Roma uh, did bring that up in his interview with uh, what network was this? Now this was News Nation. I know nothing about these news networks. Is this one of those right wing news? Uh, yeah, or... yeah. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I think somebody, <clears throat> some people did say, yeah. It, it's I forget exactly what it is, but it's a it's a tangentially right wing type of thing or whatever but they've been on you okay. know what credit where it's too they've been on top of this story now i don't know if they're just doing that because there's nothing else to talk about or it's just a hot new thing right now they're doing a nancy grace situation where hey how can we you know get content out of this but hey content's content and they're getting they're getting quotes and they're talking to people so so i have to give them a little bit of credit here even if i probably do not agree with a lot of other stuff uh that's going on on their network but they have been front and center with interviewing old wrestlers interviewing uh ashton Masaros. Uh, former best friend interviewing Janelle Grant's lawyer. Um, the names escape me right now. I apologize uh, about that. But yeah, been on top of interviewing a lot of ex wrestlers and people involved in this story. So, so I do have to okay. give him credit. Not there. that it, not that it really matters in in this context. But are they one of the truly wackadoo right wing ones, or are they one of the that I don't know that. I that think only Twitter says is wackadoo. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, I yeah. Like, I don't think they're the full on. I, I forget what the actual. Like, there, like there are news, a few out like, there that are. Yeah, are yeah. Real. Like Newsmax. I think Newsmax. Yeah, is a truly I don't think they're. And, I don't think they're as bad as that. I. I but I, again, I, I don't. Uh, I, I wouldn't consider myself a. Uh, knowledgeable enough to talk about that. Shit. Yeah. But, um, but, but either way, I mean, they're at least covering the story, and they're covering it, um, pretty intensely compared to these other. Because I know a lot of these, a lot of these newer super right wing news network uh, news networks have popped up because like they don't think Fox is extreme enough, and they and because they're mad that Fox doesn't like Trump, I think is really what the basis of it is. Um, so I I just don't know anything about News Nation. I never heard of them until this week with the wrestling stuff. So I was just curious, like who right? They're they're, they're, they're the rebranded WGN America, but I think with that rebrand, it they they added some some different spin on, on, on certain things or whatever. But yeah, it, that, that's, I think that's essentially the void that they're trying to fill, but without, I, I, I'm of the belief that they're not as crazy as some of these other ones that are just completely out to, you know, completely Complete lunatic hours, yeah, right, just right. total nonsense. Yeah. Um, no, well, yeah. So anyway, I saw the Paul Roma interview. It was only about a five minute spot and I didn't catch the anchor's name, 
But in addition to the Jim Powers story that had been out there for at least a decade, because now I know that um, Title Match Network put they put out the clip from the Paul Roma um, uh, shoot interview mm. and the Jim Powers interview talking about that incident specifically, where they don't say by name, but for whatever reason, everyone has seems to agree that it's Pat Patterson is the one who propositioned Powers now. Oh, Patterson, Patterson was exonerated from a lot of the things he was accused of. Maybe exonerated is not the right word, but it, a lot of it was debunked in the case of Pat Patterson. A lot of the things he was accused of uh, a few years ago, but uh, this one seems to be, you know, and I don't know um, because the two, the, the clips that I saw, n- none of them named Patterson by name. And I guess people are just using uh, either detective skills or process of elimination to deduce that it was Patterson who made the offer to powers of um, basically the, the way I, the way powers described it and, and, and Roma's it, it's the MO that you hear with a lot of these stories that he wanted to perform oral sex on him in exchange for a push and powers told him no. And what's interesting is um, Roma says that now Paul Roma and Jim Powers do not like each other. I think people need to know that because that becomes important here because they, they didn't get along in real time. And Paul Roma still talks like he can't stand the guy. They just didn't get along. There were different personalities. And even Roma from a decade ago and today corroborates that Powers would didn't go for that shit and didn't go along with it. And you know, essentially blames it for the reason that the team wasn't pushed and was eventually broken up, you know, and and this, this is someone Roma who doesn't like powers, you know, and you would think that if he did a shoot interview a decade ago and wanted to stick it to the guy, he would have made up some wacky stories that he did go along with it. But even then he said, no, he never, he didn't go along with it. And his whole thing is they never even bothered asking me because he felt like they knew that it would just be a total non-starter with him because of his energy or whatever it was. But um, so, yeah, you could put the timeline together. They were a team from basically 87 to 88 and, you know, a couple months into 1989. So like you said earlier, around the same general time period as the ring boy stuff and, um, you know, and, 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 and those scandals that were uh, prevalent in the late eighties. So, um, it's all out there. It's all on YouTube. It was all over. My algorithm picked up all of it immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I watched it all this week, but the other thing that Paul Roma brought up was another story that the, the, the host said something about Mario Mancini is claiming that there's a story that in Mancini's opinion is worse than the Janelle Grant stuff. Mm-hmm. And the host asked Roma and he said, yeah, there is, there is, he's right. I yeah, know what here's he's talking the exact about. quote. Here's the exact quote. Yes, I do know what it is, and it is worse. Yeah, and she asked him what it was, and he, he didn't really, he didn't seem comfortable talking about it. And she asked him if he'd be willing to come back to the show sometime and discuss it. And he was like, yeah, maybe down the line we could talk about it. But he did for whatever reason. He doesn't want to be the one that that says it for whatever and same with mario mancini now mario mancini for people who don't know was was an underneath guy around the same time 
that Roma was in the company in the mid to late Roma. Roma broke into the company in 84 and Mancini was a TV job guy. And I guess he was, he went on the road to Mancini as a prelim guy um, around the same time period. So, and Mancini was probably gone by, you know, I should probably look this up, but I don't think Mancini did not even last into um, the late nineties. I don't think, Oh, I guess he did. He, 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 he did jobs into the early nineties. So he broke in with Paul Roma around 84 and he left around the same time as Roma around 91. I guess that's when Roma, that's when power and glory broke up right around 91. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, they both had, you know, seven, eight year runs that covered the exact same time period. So. Yeah, I always feel like Mancini was before him, but I guess I guess that doesn't line up. For in my brain, for whatever reason, I feel like Mancini's ahead of those guys, but but I guess he isn't. Mine too. But they they're it's it's actually the exact same time period. They they may have trained together too. Um because I know they're from the same part of the country. According to Cage Match, Mancini was trained by Tony Altamare and let me see Roma. Paul Roma, does that have his trainer? Sometimes they don't have, yeah, you know, they don't have a trainer for him. Yeah. Does Wikipedia have a trainer for Roma? Uh, let me check. I'll see if I can figure that out real quick. But, but Mancini, for people who do not know, he was also one of the, one of the ones that pretty recently, you, you may, if, if you're just listening to this show and you haven't dug in, like we talked about him when the Rita Chatterton thing came up because he always, always, always um, vouched for Rita, was friends with her, vouched for her, said that he was told what happened, and pretty publicly, was saying, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then obviously, you know, um, now that that lawsuit finally got settled after all those many years or whatever, he then came out a little bit more and talked about, you know, the, the you know, her confiding in him and, and, and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, if, if you remember, if that name is ringing a bell to you for the Rita Chatterton thing, yes, you would, you would know. That. And that, if people don't know about Rita Chatterton, that was uh, a recent uh, sexual assault lawsuit that Vince McMahon just recently uh, tied up so, there. Oh, who, did Roma, Roma. who did Mancini get trained by? Paul Romo was trained by Tony Altamare as well. Okay, so there you go. I was broke. about to say, I think that was the name I thought you said. So they trained together and broke in together. So the, those guys have known each other uh, for decades. Tony Altamare was, he was a WWWF guy. I believe he was the tag team partner of Lou Albano when Lou Albano was an active wrestler. And they were um, former WWWF tag team champions. And in fact, a quick look at his wiki confirms that, you know, doing the Northeastern Italian gimmick, you know, so um, he stuck around the area, I guess, as a trainer. And uh, oh, it looks like he trained Ted RCD. There you go. He trained Rita Chatterton as well. Yeah, well, there so that's you go. The connection. There's our big because, connection right there. Yeah. 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 Mario Mancini for years, you know, he has said he was friends with Rita Chatterton. That, that explains it. So Chatterton, Roma, and uh, Mancini all broke in together. So that just makes way too much sense. Altamari died in 2003. I would have guessed way sooner than that. But um, he always looked old as hell, but he might be one of those guys that looked 65 when he was 35 and then just kind of looked the same forever. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, that's, you know, you know how it was. But um, typical wrestler that, 
<laughs> yeah, he era, looks like a ima- close your eyes and imagine a WWF guy. That is what that dude looks like. It's just, yeah. it's just hairy. His Tony Altamore. <laughs> yeah, his name is Tony Altamore. Close your eyes. Yep, that's what he looks like. Don't even look it up. He's just whatever your eyes are telling, whatever your brain is telling you, that man looks like. That is exactly, you are completely right. That is exactly what he looks like. That's your 60s slash 70s. Mario Mancini? You don't know what Mario Mancini looks like either? Close your eyes. Think of a man named Mario Mancini. You got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The problem is Paul Roma kind of bucks that trend. No, Paul Roma doesn't like look like. Guys, but, yeah. No, he's. But no, he was definitely not of that ilk. He, <laughs> no, uh, no. You know. But our listeners know probably are very familiar with Paul Roma. But. um. Yeah, so that's the latest. You got anything else? Was there anything so, else this week? I uh, just wanted to quickly, the the Ring Boy, so he did a, an interview with uh, Lee Cole, who is the brother of Tom Cole, who, who Tom Cole has since deceased, by the way. So um, he, he's, uh, it's Lee Cole. He had an interview on his YouTube channel with, and, and the, the Ring, the former Ring Boy only named himself as Sean. So I don't know if that's his real name or, or anything like that, but he didn't want, he didn't want this whole name to be out there, but he is a former Ring Boy named Sean. And, uh, just kind of talked about the stuff with, with Mel Phillips. I don't have to read. I'm not going to really read all of it because it's, it's a lot of it's really gross and uh, and disgusting. But um, yeah, the the Business Insider, I believe, was the David Dixon's band piece. So he did October October 29, 2020. He did it for Business Insider. So that's if you want to read that. A very very detailed uh, thing about. I mean, I Mel thought Phillips, I knew yeah. a lot about the Mel Phillips stuff, and I learned a lot reading that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and it doesn't make you feel good. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. Warning, uh, it's it's not yeah, good. It's real, real fucking gross. <laughs> it's real just, fucking you know. gross. And the response from the company uh, is real fucking gross as well. And that gets us all to uh, these recent comments from uh, several of the talents in WWE were, you know, have, have given their thoughts about the Vince McMahon WWE lawsuit. You and I are both on record kind of saying that, like, I don't know if I really necessarily – like. I, the problem is the executives aren't going to talk about this thing and nobody's going to talk to the executives about it. So I, I, I guess it's fine at this point if you're going to start talking. To, now, some of the rank and file roster members, like I get it if they don't really have a whole lot to say. Like I wrote an article on our Patreon. You can read it at flagshippatreon.com. And like they talked to Natalia and Nia Jax or whatever. And I don't really, I don't really expect much from Natalia and Nia Jax in terms of, of their response to it or whatever. Seth Rollins had had probably the best response of any wrestler uh, in the company. And I, I have all the quotes in that piece as well if you want to read that. Uh, over at flagshippatreon.com. But uh, this week, both Randy Orton and John Cena had quotes that I think are are are, are pretty eye-opening and just kind of like, ah, I don't know if this is the way to be talking about this thing, but uh, John Cena was on the Howard Stern show, did an hour-long interview with Howard Stern, uh, and his, when, when you know, prompted with this question, and, and credit to Howard Stern for asking him this question, you know, prompted with a question about the Vince McMahon lawsuit and what it feels like to have, you know, somebody that you knew be involved in this. John Cena said, quote, right now, what I'm going to do is love the person I love, be their friend. And by that, it means, hey, I love you, and you have a hill to climb. There's the saying, you don't know who your friends are until the shit hits the fan or your back's against the wall. That doesn't make any of what's going on any easier to swallow. But just telling someone like, hey, I love you. Man, this is going to be a hill to climb. We're going to see what happens, and that's that. It sounds so cliche, but it has to be one day at a time. But at the same token, I've openly said, I love that guy. I have a great relationship with that guy, so that's that. It's a, it basically mirrors the comments he made when the story first broke before we saw the grisly details laid out in the lawsuit. So, um, 
you know, what, what do you want me to say? Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's a wild. And, and, and one of the things that I, and I talked about it in the article, so I don't have to, if, if you want, cause that, that's, I, I wrote a big long piece about it if you want to, you know, read, but one of the things that's been so galling to me about all the quotes that people gave, and I'm, I'm going to give you Randy Orton's quotes here in a minute is every single person instead of, and I'm not saying that I understand. And there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to say, I have sympathy for Janelle Grant, or I have sympathy for the the potential victims. I get why you wouldn't want to say that. I get the. I, I get. I understand. I get why you wouldn't want to say that. You want to get involved in that. You don't want to. It's a lawsuit against the company that you work for as well. So that I mean, we do have to remember that it's not the Vince McMahon lawsuit. It is WWE, John Laurinaitis, and Vince McMahon that are all defendants in this lawsuit. But I think like we don't need to go over how great of a person Vince McMahon is. While discussing this, I think you can very easily say what I read was was disturbing and I hope none of it's true. And I hope that, you know, uh, we have enough of a, 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 the company is strong enough to not allow this sort of stuff to happen in our company or just, you know, I hope nothing like this ever happens again or, you know, it, whatever it may be. But like all this like, well, because here's Randy Orton's quotes just to just to give you an, another one. And his he did this at New York Post. He was he was interviewed with The New York Post and said, quote. I've seen the horrible things online that I don't want to believe because this man has done so many things for me. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been given a second and third chance in WWE. I wouldn't be in this position that I'm in now if it wasn't for that man. So part of me wants to not believe it, and then the other part of me understands that he could have done all these wonderful things for me and the business and created this amazing thing that will go on and on and on well after he's gone. But on the other hand, he's human, and he's made some fucking terrible mistakes. I just I don't, want, I don't really give a shit how great of a man he is. Like this isn't the time for ah, that's not the guy I knew. Ah, he's, he's a great man. It's like it, it, not the time, not the time. And, and and yeah, it's just yeah. And every quote has had that. You, you, you know, it's just it, it it's it's annoying. I, I just I, I hate seeing these quotes and, and all of them being you know eaten up by it's similar to the Paul Levesque thing. Let's focus on the positives. Focus on the positives. Focus on the positives. Dude, not the time to focus on the positives. Not the Levesque's time. in a slightly different position. Um, I'm not defending him. Um, but he's, uh, he's a corporate officer uh, being asked to comment on a lawsuit against the company. These guys, well, I guess technically aren't employees, right. But are employed by the company right. for lack of a better term. Yeah. I mean, look, the quotes aren't great. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not really concerned with what I mean, I, I say this a lot, like when people were asking like Nia Jax what she thought about all of this at, at the Royal Rumble and stuff. I don't really care what any of these people think. I, It's really not my concern. I'm concerned with what's the next step in the lawsuit? Uh, what's the next big break in the story? What is the next set of information we're going to learn? Personally, I'm more concerned with that and seeing anyone who needs to face justice in this situation and seeing that they do to me that's more important than did wwe superstar x give a good pr quote or not i i i i'm not as wrapped up in that okay i'm just not personally i know a lot of people are and i get it and i know in the case of john cena you're talking about somebody who wasn't just someone who worked very close but is very close to vince mcmahon and that makes his situation a little different than Nia Jax or maybe even a Randy Orton or somebody mm-hmm. like that because 
He fraternizes with Vince McMahon. He's friends with Vince McMahon. He hangs around Vince right, McMahon. Very, very publicly was seen with him after the first. After the first Vince thing came out, very publicly was seen at his birthday dinner or whatever. And, and everybody, you know, it was Vince, his then-girlfriend, not Janelle Grant, by the way. I know that's been kind of confusing, but for some people, that was not Janelle Grant that was out with Vince after no, no, the no. first thing came out and he was at his birthday party with John Cena or whatever. That's not, that's not the same person. No, but but yeah, so that, that's kind of where I am on it. Like, I, I will roll my eyes at these quotes like everybody else does. But um, just for me personally, I, I to me, these are sidebars at best, and it's not what's important. To me, the, these kinds of things aren't what's important. I mean, I remember, you know, a few weeks ago when we were talking about the uh, the Royal Rumble pressers and stuff, and it's like... um. You know, I, I'm not even interested in asking like current people on the roster what they think. I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just not personally interested in it. I don't care. What do I care what Otis thinks about any of this? I, I think I mean, what, really, yeah. No, go, go ahead. Sorry. If you're gonna ask these people, it's really all they can do is say something dumb and make themselves look bad. Is is that what we're trying to do? Are we trying to get them to say something stupid? Um, because it's one of two things they're going to give a, a, a good PR answer like Seth Rollins did, where there's really no way to attack it. He said all the right things. And I'm not saying that's not really how he feels. I'm just saying Seth Rollins said all the right things. It's what you want to hear, right? Or they're not. And they're going to slip up and say something dumb. And then we're going to spend half a day dogpiling them. But what does that accomplish? Right. But again, Cena, I think, is a little different. And I think you can hold Cena to a different standard because he's admittedly a close friend of this man. So he's a little different to me than, than, than I, I really genuinely don't care what Nia Jax has to say. And I keep using her because someone did ask her. I mean, it means nothing to me. I, I, I am more focused on what's important. Let's figure out who corporate officer one through four is. Let's see what the defendants in the case say in response to the lawsuit. Let's see if there are some victims who are going to be brave enough to come out after years or decades and see what they have to say. Those are the things I'm personally focused on and interested in. More so than did Randy Orton, who historically says lots of stupid things, say a, say a dumb thing about Vince McMahon. I expect Randy Orton to say a dumb thing. And what's going to happen? What's the end result of Randy Orton um, cushioning his comments about Vince with Vince was such a great man? Yeah, we're all going to roll our eyes and call him a dummy. And then what? Life goes on. You know, I don't know. To me, it's not what's super important. Here. Well, well, That's I will all. say one thing that that has been eye-opening to me about a lot of these comments, and I, I'm kind of with you as well. I, I think the bigger story is 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 out is way out in the distance there and has nothing to do with, with the day-to-day rank-and-file people working for that company. But what this does tell me, and this has been confirmed by Brandon Thurston as well, he, he has talked about this on WrestleNomics, he talked about it on, on Pollock and Thurston uh, this week, that nobody, there has been no communication from the top down to employees, contractors, whatever, of WWE about this situation. They got an email from Nick Khan when Vince McMahon was, was, was removed from the board, and that's it. That is all that they have heard about this entire situation. They know nothing. They have been told nothing. They don't know anything. They have been told to say this. They have been told to say that. They have told there's been no communication whatsoever from the top to the rank and file, whether it be employees, roster members, any of that sort of stuff. And that 
what that tells me more than anything is that I still don't think that they I, I don't know if it's that they don't take this thing seriously, that they still don't care. I don't know what it is, but that to me, this is more the eye opening thing about the comments that, that that these wrestlers are giving is that I don't know if this company still gives a shit about what's going on in, in the story. They I feel like the 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 idea is ignore, 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 it'll blow away like everything else does. And you know what? They're probably gonna be fucking right in the end. And that's what's sad to me. Because that's their current strategy is ignore, ignore, ignore. It'll blow away eventually. And that's the tack they're taking. And that's the tack that Paul Levesque has taken. And that's the tack that all the roster members have taken as well. And I don't know if that's being, again, I'm not saying that that's been sent down because we know that clearly it hasn't been sent down. That none of the, nobody's gotten any, any, any correspondence or anything that says, hey, this is our current stance on this. They don't have anything. They're kind of on their own. But that tells me that independently of the company saying, hey, we want you guys to say this. It feels like every one of the quotes that has been said by anybody is essentially just, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we got to focus on the future. Yeah, yeah. And that to me, that's like, do we not understand what's going on here? Do we not understand the ramifications of the many? And that's why I always want to reframe this thing as not the Vince McMahon lawsuit. You can be like the Netflix woman and put your fucking head in the sand and say, oh, the bad guy's gone, so everything's okay now. It's like, motherfucker, there are executives, multiple executives listed in this lawsuit. Let's, you are a defendant. The company is a defendant in this lawsuit. And yet, it's like, ah, the bad guy's gone. He was so good to me. I can't believe he did it. Ah, maybe he did or not. I don't know. Whatever. Move on. Let's move forward and think about the positives. And that is the tact that everybody in that company that has been asked about this so far has taken. And that just that annoys the hell out of me because it's like, man, this, this is a big deal. This is a big thing right now. And I think that this company understands or, or, or at least hopes and thinks that they can just let this thing blow over like every other fucking thing that's ever been attached to them. And eventually it won't matter anymore. And, hey, guess what, Joe? Their business is booming. It doesn't matter for the business. They're selling out all over the place. Record high ratings. Doesn't matter. It's all fine in the business sense. So that's good. I don't know. It, it's to me that that's it, – it's more – I'm not necessarily focused on individually of what these people have said and what Nia Jax again, you know, bringing her up or what she – but more that, like, man, the, the, the corporate culture around that place is, again, just, ah, man – not the guy I knew. Well, anyway, let's move forward. And it's like, holy shit, read the stuff in this lawsuit. Think about all the corporate executive members. And it's it's executives from the top of the, the corporate all the way down to production guys. You know what I mean? That we're all involved in all this sort of shit. And it's just like, move forward, WrestleMania, Elimination Chamber. We're good. We're good. We're good. And that that to me is maybe the most disturbing thing necessarily. Not necessarily about the quotes themselves, but just the idea that I still think that this company doesn't understand what is really going on here and thinks that it's just great to, or the, 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 the proper way to handle this is just ignore, 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 focus on the positives, focus on the positives, move forward, move forward, move forward, bad guy gone, move forward, move forward. And that, that just, that disturbs me. It really does. I do. I do think it's telling with Cena specifically that someone who's so careful about his PR and everything that comes out of his mouth is so unwilling to say anything negative about this guy, about Vince. I mean that that has to raise your eyebrows. Mm-hmm. The guy's a Where PR guy robot. Has, he's a PR robot. Anytime you ask him anything he's about a PR anything, PR robot. He has a Hollywood career to protect. Um, he has an image to protect. He's, you know, he, he's a hero to children. He's done a million Make a Wish. He has every incentive in the world. To where no matter what his honest thoughts are about this, let's say that he's a heinous creature who whose honest thoughts about this would repulse us. 
he still has incentive to throw Vince under the bus. And he won't do it. That's stunning to me. That he won't even walk up to the line of disparaging this, this man at all. Or just and saying, or staying neutral about it, and just saying, like, yeah, what, you know, the things I saw were disturbing, or whatever, and 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 I'm heartbroken, you know, and I hope what I read wasn't true. No, it's I love you, I love you. You have a hill to climb, but I love you. <laughs> it's crazy. It's the same comments he made when the story broke, and there's no way he hasn't seen the details of the lawsuit. And it's still, he still won't say anything disparaging about Vince McMahon. That has to raise an eyebrow for someone who is that close to him, you have to wonder. You have to wonder what he knew, how much he knew. And, you know, and, and and I've been very careful. A lot of people want to play this game where they want to speculate who knew what, who participated. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that's a dangerous I've game been and, very and careful not to do that. that. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that, yeah. I also understand that we're in a slightly different position than just, you know, random fan or random listener or random person on Twitter. But... I'm not really interested in doing that, but when when Cena makes comments like that, yeah, it, it, it just it, it makes me wonder. I mean, what would it take for him to say something mildly disparaging about Vince McMahon? He won't touch it. He won't even touch it, and he has as much to lose as anyone if he gets burned on this, and he still won't do it. I mean, that's either the kind of loyalty that a lot of us cannot fathom, or I I, I don't know what it, it it's it's it feels like a cult. A, it, it feels more and more like a fucking cult that this guy you know it it it's it, it's kind of where I'm at with this thing now. It's like reading these quotes. It's just like, man, I don't know if now's the time that you have to tell like every the Orton thing like. After five minutes of puking out all these, oh man, what he's done for the business and what he's done for me and all the chances, oh yeah, yeah, right. maybe he made a mistake. It's like, <laughs> what? What? Well, I mean, yeah, again, <laughs> he's an idiot, yeah, though. He's a he's an idiot. That's yeah. Randy Orton. I right. mean, did he really? Did, did he not meet your expectations with a? Oh no, no, like exactly. That? That's exactly what I, I assumed a Randy Orton would say in this situation. So, and it, that's it, not giving him a pass or anything. I'm just saying, like, that's exactly what I would expect him to say. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, uh, you know, Mick Foley, I think a couple weeks ago said something similar where he, he again, he cushioned it with, you know, and again, and look, I get it. It's a, it's a little different when you know the person personally and you thought you knew who they were and maybe you had a good relationship with them. And, you know, I'm not even saying that some of these people aren't legitimately blindsided by the details of this. That's entirely Oh, possible. for sure. Definitely. I mean, you think you know the people in your life, okay? You think you do. And, and that's kind of what the Howard Stern, for people that did not listen to the entire interview, that's essentially what Howard Stern started with. He said, hey, you know, this Vince McMahon thing is pretty wild. Like, I know I've had people that I've, I've known in my life or people that I consider colleagues and friends or whatever do these sort of things. And I was completely taken aback, completely surprised and shocked when I learned about it. And that's sort of what he, the impetus was to the Cena, th- the, the quote there was now do you are do you kind of feel the same thing about Vince McMahon? And that's I guess if if, if that context is necessary, that that's what it was. Is, is Stern was basically saying, I've been in that situation where somebody that I've known has been caught up in this sort of stuff and 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 I've seen these allegations come out and I've seen these things come out about these people and it stuns me because I thought I knew them and I don't. 
or I didn't or whatever. What Stern was doing was a huge favor to Cena and giving him a nice little platform to jump off of to answer the question. Because there's very few people better at interviewing people than Howard Stern. And and, and Cena still blew it. (laughs) Right. Like he gave them, he gave him, he gave him the whole walkthrough to to give the answer. And he still just couldn't disparage the man in any way or even disparage the the anything you know the i mean he just it's it's amazing um and you know stern's not going to spend more than five minutes of the one hour that he gets with the guy he's not a wrestling reporter he's not going to keep hammering him on it especially once he sees he's not going to get anything useful out of it yeah he's got a whole other litany of you know, questions about the guy that he, that he's got to get, that he wants to get to that are going to be more productive for his audience. You know, if this were a wrestling interview, that would have been one hour of hammering John Cena. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Are you kidding? Who's interviewing? Well, it, no, I'm saying if like we were doing it yeah. or, <laughs> right. but, but, but here's the thing. Cena is not, not going to do that kind of interview. No. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Like, what wrestling other than us, Brandon Thurston, Jesse Collings? I mean, Dave Meltzer. Yeah. I, the list is. I don't know if I need both hands to to do that list. It. Yeah, I don't know That's if I need both it. hands. I think just one hand can probably do it. Which brings up a point too that I wanted to uh, before we move on to some other stuff, uh, if people have not been following. So Tim Marchman uh, for Vice has been one of the top guys doing the reporting about the story. And I talked about it a couple weeks ago saying, I'm glad that, that Tim Marchman's doing stuff and I'm glad that the Wall Street Journal is doing stuff. But like, I think the wrestling media is going to have to step up here a little bit because I don't know when Vice is going to decide that we don't want to focus on the story anymore or Marchman's going to have something else to do because this isn't Marchman's main beat. Marchman does, does sports. He does the whole sports world. Something else is going to come up and he's going to, you know, he might have to devote his time to that or Vice is going to say, hey, Tim, stop wasting your time on the Vince thing. It's not getting any clicks anymore. Ah, we're moving on to something else. Well, 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 uh, today news came out that Vice is essentially shutting down. Marchman gave his notice, and he's off to somewhere else. Now, he said he's going to keep doing the stories that he's doing or whatever, but who knows? You never know what his news site's going to say or if he's doing a news site or if he's doing his own sub stack. Or, I, who knows? You never know what these guys, you know, what the next landing spot for these people are going to be. But this is the big reason why I said, like, all right, guys, like, you can't, we cannot sit around and wait for the Wall Street Journal and Tim Marchman and News Nation to handle all of the heavy lifting on this story because something's going to happen with the Wall Street Journal that they're not going to have the time and the money and the energy to focus on this. Something's going to happen with Vice that they're not going to have the time and the energy. And News Nation, like I said, they're doing kind of the Nancy Grace thing right now. I think it's nice. It's a hot button issue. They can get, you know, people about it, but something's going to come up and they're going to say, oh, all right, well. Wrestling thing's gone. All right, whatever. We're good. Let's move on to this thing. Something else is going to happen. There's going to be some other controversy going on in the world, and they're going to focus their energy on that. So it's up for people that are, are, are doing wrestling every day. This is their job. This is your beat. Pro wrestling. Like, it's up for these people to start reaching out to people and talking to people. Hey, News Nation brings on Paul Roma, and Paul Roma in five minutes brings up something that maybe a lot of people forgot about that brings up – that leads you to – the, the, the Mel Phillips thing, which might make you say, oh, wow, I didn't know about that. You know, learn, learn new news about the Mel Phillips thing or learn, you know, for the first time about the Mel Phillips thing. And then corroborates Mario Mancini's thing. So it's like a five-minute thing where, hey, you just reach out to Paul Roma and you ask him the fucking question. And look, we got a little bit of information about it. Good. A lot of people can do this. A lot of people in the wrestling world are capable of doing this sort of thing. And they're just not. And now this Tim Marchman thing and Vice going away looks like they're – you can't post – I mean, they're, they're shutting the website down. People have been told that you can't even – that they're going to just – 
the site might just be gone in general. So all those stories that Marchman did. Yeah. So is can you not even go to the site anymore? Is it dead, dead? The site is, um, hold on. So I think you can still browse the site. Oh no, I know, but they're shutting down. They're They're, shutting down. Yeah. yeah. There's the worry that they're going to do because a few websites and I forget the one, there was this new news thing that came out a couple of months ago. It was this hot, you know, tech bro news story thing. Oh, we're going to reinvent news. We're going to disturb it. And then when it went bad, they just deleted the whole fucking website and everyone's work just went away. Now that could have with Vice. That could immediately, end, and that's kind of the worry that a lot of people had. But apparently, yeah, you cannot post a Vice anymore. Vice.com is essentially dead, and will it all get deleted? But that's Marchman's work that he's done so far on the Vice thing. And again, I don't know what, what he's going to do. He says he's going to stick with the beat. He's going to stick with the story. I'm glad, and I hope he does. But there also exists a situation where he has to focus on something else. So if you take him out, let's say that he has something else to do and he's out, we're left with News Nation and the Wall Street Journal, the only people doing any heavy lifting on this story. And that, come on, like that, it can't be that way. It can't be that way. And that, that's what the rant I was on a couple weeks ago about this, that we need just, it, 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 I'm not saying everybody has to devote every fucking minute of their lives to this, but like talk to people, bring people on, ask people. I mean, that, that's, who knows what information we can get, <laughs> information that can be gleaned uh, about this story by, by doing actual journalism. And it's like, nobody, nobody cares. And it's, it's, it, and this is how, these sort of things can can just flutter away, and WWE is going to get their way that everyone will just forget about it, and we'll move on and move forward, and we've had an amazing week type of stuff. So that's my rant there. <clears throat> Someone in the chat was saying that News Nation scored um, right down the middle or moderate in some kind of unbiased okay. uh, media uh, news media poll. So maybe we mischaracterized them a little bit at the top. Uh, as far as uh, I just kind of assumed, because like you said, there was like five of those different ones that were like, oh, I, same for me. Yeah, yeah they're they, all the they same. Keep popping like, up. And yeah, I just they're like, dun, 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 yeah. Dun. it's like mildly attractive yeah. person. Like we're not you're not getting the truth anymore, <laughs> but we're going to get the truth. Yes. Come subscribe to us on this weird streaming platform that you've never heard of. And I'm like, oh, boy, this can't be good. You know? Yeah. 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 But um, yes, that's uh, that's the latest on Vince, which I think. And the lawsuit, which I think we're going to be talking about, like we say every week, for <laughs> yep. months and months and months. Um, still no response from the defendants. No, think. no, that so, uh, that that we're waiting for that. That's. I think the deadline. Brandon did say that he maybe misunderstood when the deadline was or yeah. whatever, but yeah. soon. I mean, hopefully soon. We're going to hear about it, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like it should happen soon, but I don't. Yeah. I'm clearly not an expert in that in that field, so we'll see. I guess there was the bit with um, we talked about Ashley Massaro's friend who went on News Nation to discuss that scenario, but then Ashley Massaro's daughter sent out some tweets this week. Maybe we should bring that up too. Where, um, one she said she disavowed the friend and said that um, it wasn't really her mother's friend anymore, and and it's someone that has been harassing her and her family and that they don't want anything to do with and that her mother's wishes were not to discuss this stuff. And then in a second tweet did act, did, did then say all of these things that are being, and a paraphrasing uh, really did happen to her mother. It's just that her mother's wishes were to leave it alone, let it die. Don't talk about it. And this woman isn't my friend anymore. This according to the daughter, right? Of course, the first tweet got weaponized by all the worst people Mm -hmm. that you would imagine without acknowledging the second tweet. Which 
Did. Which confirmed. That said everything in the affidavit is correct and right. everything is – did happen to my mother. But I mean, we I just, we this is not the exactly. way that we wanted it to come out. And this is not her wishes that this would be the way that it would come out. It was essentially what it was. But like you said, that part got ignored and the part that got you know just publicized everywhere was, was her saying, this person's not even yeah, my mom's friend. Used, she wasn't even my mom's friend anymore. And it's like, okay. Use the right term, weaponized by – Yeah, the dumbest people. Some of the, the lowest planet. people you can imagine, yeah. And I'm not saying that they're media people or anything, but – you know, randos on social media who are, you know, just whose wrestling tribalism goes far beyond, you know, what you would think the, the, the human is capable of it, even in a situation, a scenario like this, where um, they're going to weaponize a tweet, knowing full well that there's a follow-up tweet <laughs> that, that, that essentially um, corroborates the, the, the stories there and look the ashley Masaroma story is nothing new that that's not anything new you know just like these it's the old bones of these old stories that are coming up now that really only people like us were privy to that are now being exposed to more of the mainstream and that's what we were talking about earlier when it comes to mel phillips and i mean i've seen so many stories being unearthed that i had there's so many that i've forgotten about some of them I don't know how how it is for you, but like I, you know, I'm seeing random tweets or things brought up, and it, it's like, oh yeah, I completely forgot about this thing that was horrible that happened in 1991, or this other thing that happened in you know 1986. Because there's so much shit with that company that you can't even keep track of it all. It's kind of like when we whenever we talk about Vince and his legacy, it's you can go on for an hour talking about all of the evil things that he's done and leave another hour worth of shit out. <laughs> right, right. Or like when we did when we were dancing on his, his grave when when he uh, resigned the first time, you know, we said <laughs> we spent the entire show, you know, had a plan of what we we're going to talk about, had our little bullet points about Vince, and then that, you'd be like, wait a minute, what about this? And I'm like, oh, right, that. And then we spent, yeah, we spent about an hour and a half doing, oh, right, yeah, what about this? Oh, yeah, right, what about this? Like, just the over and over and over and over again for now. And yeah, you, we still left five six seven eight nine ten things on the on, on that that we completely forgot about we didn't know about so yeah it, it, it's yeah it's never ending here and that's it, it's good that these old stories are coming out but but i do I, I do wish a little bit more focus was being put on on trying to get some aspects of this new story put out but i i hopefully there's work being done behind the scenes that we're not seeing and and hopefully more of this stuff comes out because there's there's I, there's unnamed executives that know... need to be named pretty quickly in my mind I know you're more cynical than I am, but I, 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 and look, I've always been right with you with Vince McMahon and this company are Teflon and they have been for many, many years. I think this has, is, is beyond the pale. And I don't think this one's going away. Maybe, maybe, and maybe you will be proven right to be more cynical. I hope not. Than me. I hope I am wrong. I hope I am wrong. But I, I really don't think this one's going away. And I, I do genuinely think it's going to get worse for both Vince and the company before it gets better. And I do think we're going to have periods where it feels like it's going away. Okay. But I don't, I, I, I don't think that that's true, that that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that far more is going to be exposed and, um, you know, it's just going to take, you know, we keep mentioning Tim Marchment and everything, but it's, it's just going to take the right mainstream media person to catch a whiff of this story and catch a whiff of the things like the ring boy scandal or, 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 uh, or Cole or, or Phillips or, 
or Rita Chatterton or and 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 really get a bug up their ass about it and want to do something about it. And, and, you know, you know, that could happen at any moment, you know, and then I'm just confident that the story isn't going anywhere. I, I, I truly believe that this is going to be a bigger problem for the company. Someone in the chat earlier, they were like, look, what's the biggest consequence they've faced so far? Slim Jim pulled a sponsorship and it lasted like two hours. Right. I mean, well, that, that's you know, why I am uh, very dubious on, on this resulting in anything. I'm scared because this is their entire history has been them skating by and, and these little things mattering for two minutes. You know, now we got lawyers, though, sniffing around talking about, hey, if, if you or someone, you know, has been abused by the WWE or UFC, contact us. So, you know, who knows what's going to get unearthed on the other side of the company? You know, that's not exactly a bunch of choir boys running that thing either. Uh, no, <laughs> certainly not. And that's not exactly, you know, <laughs> you want to talk about cultures. You know, we don't need to get in all, but but I mean, so one knows? thing that would help that, and, and one thing that would help that, sorry to interrupt, but sports reporters getting involved in digging up UFC stuff might help this situation because wrestling reporters are not going to do it. They don't care. They're too busy aggregating shit to, to spend time on this. So I get it. They got to listen to podcasts with by Eric Bischoff and, and aggregate some dumb shit that he's vomiting about AEW Dynamite this week. So they're too busy. They, and, it's, and, in, and in some cases, the aggregation is too exhausting for them, and they're thinking of calling it quits. Right, but exactly. Anyway, so I get it. it. It's been tough for them to aggregate these Eric Bischoff quotes and, and Paul Roma quotes and stuff. It's it's too much. Yeah. So I get it. They're, they're busy. Sports reporters getting involved in this thing because they will treat this like a real company and treat this like a real thing that if – there are people that come out and say, hey, this is happening to me in the UFC. This happened to me in the UFC. You will get sports reporters. You will get ESPN. You'll get, I was going to say Sports Illustrated, but they're gone. So forget about Sports Illustrated. They're done and they're gone. But you, you'll get ESPN. You'll get The Athletic. You'll get these type of places that I think would dig in a little bit more than wrestling media would. So that that is maybe one of the things that might help the situation a little bit is that if, if UFC does start to get involved in this and people do bring up UFC, that those people can then dig in a little bit more because I'm confident that those people will understand that they have a duty and a job and they will do the work to actually figure these things out and and try to get now. Will it solve everything? I don't know, but I'm more confident in if a a speckle of something comes out of USC, that the sports media will do their job to, to, to really investigate this thing. Whereas wrestling media and, and just the general public too treats wrestling like it's the circus and laughs at all. And they still do. They still do. After it can be, this is a billion dollar industry at this point, a billion dollar industry. And it is still being treated like a circus. You know what I mean? It's still treated as a, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, let's throw in a, ah, uh, WWE is going to lay the smackdown on Netflix. And, oh, you know, oh, Netflix body slams the competition by buying WWE. It's, it's still considered a, ha, 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 the circus is in town type of thing. So, yeah, but, but I think UFC will be treated a little bit more seriously. So, so that, like you said, that, that would be one of the hopes, one of the potential hopes is that if, if something does come out about UFC, that, that maybe then that arm of the, TKO will get a little bit more scrutiny and that might, you know, put a spotlight on everything a little bit more. Yeah. Now ESPN did cover WWE obviously for a little bit, but we know what that was. That was that was haha bullshit time, you know, Jonathan Coachman and all that bullshit. They they weren't they're not actually doing real work on Yeah, no, they weren't at that time, no. And well, I guess ESPN is very much aligned with UFC, uh, with UFC plus. So hey, never mind. <laughs> maybe maybe they yeah. won't do it. Maybe it's someone else. Uh, hmm. Maybe CBS will get involved. Sports Illustrated, they're dead. Uh, I guess the Athletic might. Yeah. Oh, hey. 
journalism's in a really cool spot right now. This is cool. This is great. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying ESPN as if they're going to like leverage and destroy one of their cash cows of their streaming network. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Anyway. <clears throat> Want to talk about Hangman Page, Joe? Well, it's uh, it's that time of the show where we <laughs> awkwardly tra- awkwardly can't... transition to fake fake fights now. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Breaking down and discussing fake fighting. I uh, the latest on Pat Page's ankle, Joe. Hey, uh... look, it's look, it's 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 what we do, and you know, th- th- there's nothing wrong with continuing to do both. I think. Well, the issue is depending on what kind of content you're producing i guess it's the issue is just not covering it at all that's the issue you know it's uh or saying it yeah makes, it's, it makes you upset to talk about it. well sorry it's awkward it's every to... week going from that to right. yeah exactly thank so, god we don't have ad but, reads um, that would be the best be like all right well joe uh let me tell you a little bit about <laughs> hello fresh <laughs> no well no what if it was like blue chew or something that would be awful <laughs> right yeah we should probably we should probably if not that they're banging down our door anyway but just in case um yeah the blue chew one would be horrific yeah well hey uh speaking of uh <laughs> you, you almost would have to punt it I, uh, we I almost mean, would have how, to say guys uh... how can you do a blue chew ad with this story going on prominently on your show you can't right. is the answer you can't do a blue sorry team. for hymns we uh we, we can't do the read this week so we'll have uh, to forfeit the the 48 dollars you were gonna send us for this <laughs> ad and, and you know you know and if yeah. that's a shoot i don't know what is but and that would be that you know but there it is. All, All right, right, let's, let's talk about some graphs. Let's talk about Hangman Page's ankles. So after the main event of Dynamite last night, many people from the building reported that Hangman Page was limping, clearly favoring his ankle. In the match itself, he, he was taking the, he was about to take the muscle buster. He kind of squirmed out of it, landed on his feet, seemed to collapse, and then roll out to the outside tag out, and he was not around for the rest of the match uh, at all. So on this morning's Wrestling Observer Radio, Brian Alvarez said that Page was going to be checked out for a broken ankle, and that was confirmed by Dave Meltzer as well. They both agreed that there was some type of severe injury related to Page's ankle. Whether or not it was a broken ankle or not was going to be found out later. Not so fast in my best league Corso. Not so fast. This morning, Sean Ross Staff at Fightful Select reported that Page hadn't suffered an injury and was just selling. The words used by talent in AEW that taught to Sean were, quote, He's completely fine, and quote, he's good at his job. So, Joe, what the fuck's going on here? Well, I, I guess you missed the Alvarez follow-up. Alvarez later said that it was, in fact, a work, but there's a purpose to it in that they are not sure whether or not he can make the pay-per-view date, so they are doing a little work injury here so that if he can't make the date, that's their out. Okay. And if he can make the date, I guess you can make that part of the story of the match, right? So you kind of win either way. Um, that was Brian's follow-up later in the day. That's the last I've heard of the story. So I don't I, – that, that's the latest that I am aware of. It seems like nobody else um, has followed up – or n- nobody else has, has said anything about it being legit. It feels like the only people that knew – that thought it was legit or reported that it was legit was Brian and Dave this morning on Observer Radio, and now it feels like everything is pointed towards – it's just a work and it was just a, 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 you know, a worked injury. Well, whatever Brian said on the radio at three o'clock in the morning, obviously gets usurped by what he said at two o'clock in the right, afternoon, right, right, right. wrestling observer live. So 
Um, you know, someone in the chat saying that Alvarez says there's a potential personal issue he has to deal with and won't be able to potentially won't be able to beat the pay-per-view. Now, I don't know what's up with that. Um, you know, I don't want to speculate or talk about it. No, no, you know, because no, no. who knows? You you might end up looking like a goof, you know, when it's something, you know, that is very under. But um, it's kind of a tricky spot. No, not knowing whether, you know, one third of your world title match isn't going to be at your pay-per-view. So, yeah, with, with 10 days notice. <laughs> so it's it's tough. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they've given themselves um, an out here. So uh, someone else in the chat says that Sean, and I'm assuming that means Ross Sapp also, you know, he backed up what Brian had to say on, on, you know, in terms of, you know, what, what I just brought up. So um, we've got some agreements among the uh, reporters here. So that seems to be what the situation is. Um, Look, I think I've settled on the side that Joe is retaining no matter what anyway. So, I don't think Hangman Page was going to win the title in this match. So ultimately, I don't think it's going to matter whether he works the match or not. From that standpoint, I think they're still going to get the same end result, which is Samoa Joe coming out of this thing as champion. I think the Wardlaw promo on Dynamite kind of confirms that too, because Wardlaw, his natural issue is with Joe, not with either of the other two. He even referenced Joe in his promo. So, and and, and honestly, I didn't like the idea of the three-way. I didn't like how they got to the three-way. No, no, I'm with you. And I don't like that they're doing a three-way anyway. So from that standpoint, um, you know, from a wrestling perspective, because I don't know what the hell is going on in Hangman Page's life, I would prefer the 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 singles match anyway with Joe and Strickland. I think what could be a problem, though, for them is if Joe is retaining, Strickland is not someone you want eating a fall right now. Right, eating a, just a clean, you know, muscle buster fall in the middle of the ring, one, two, three. Yeah, that that would that would seemingly mess up his momentum right now, where where he feels like a guy. It's who, not the who... right time for him to lose. Right. And if you had Hangman in there doing this out of his mind heel routine, he's the perfect guy to eat the fall. Where if you don't want to change the title and you don't want to beat Swerve. So that's the only thing they're going to have to come up with some kind of finish now. You know, unless they're putting the title on Swerve and that was the, if that's the case, but again, it doesn't matter that Hangman's not there. Now right. Swerve is just going to, unless the idea was for Swerve to beat Hangman and send Hangman even deeper into the depths of insanity because Hangman's whole deal is I don't want Swerve getting what he wants and what he wants is the title, Right. So there were a couple different ways you can go with a finish. Hangman cost Swerve the match and cause him to lose. Or Hangman doesn't care whether or not he wins and he does something stupid mm-hmm. to cost Swerve the match and in effect cost himself the match. Right? Or you could have, if you were going to put the title on Swerve, have Swerve beat Hangman for the title, which would really make Hangman go crazy. But with Hangman out of the picture you know, no matter what, you're going to have to rework whatever finish you were going to do. So it'll be interesting from that perspective if he doesn't work the match. Never a dull moment <laughs> in that company, man. Never. All these pay-per-views. You, you can do all you want, all, build it all up, and then, yeah, it all it, it's, it seems like a constant at this company sometimes. It, it feels like those top of the card, always a lot of moving parts 
uh, as we uh, we get to these pay-per-views. But, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening there. But, yeah, for anybody – We should note this, too, that Jerry Lynn absolutely 100% confirmed it's yes. an angle because he complained about people reporting the story. Which just don't do. So if you... Just don't do that. You know what I mean? Like that, I, I feel like – and I right. saw him do that. If you want to retain the kayfabe, just don't just don't say anything. You don't have to quote tweet Sean and say, oh, pff, thanks for ruining our story. It's like then you ruin the story by saying that. Just let it let it yeah. out. You know, let 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 people speculate and wonder or whatever. But, yeah, don't confirm it by saying, oh, thanks for ruining our story. You guys don't like anything like it. Like, don't yell at wrestling media for reporting what's going on. But just, you know, tell your story, well, man. Don't worry about it. Is- you're always going to have your portion of the audience that think people like Brian Alvarez and Sean Ross Sapp are full of shit and are distrustful. Right. Exactly. Right. What you just did was tell everyone (laughs) that the report is true. Right. You confirmed the report. Right. You're the one that's destroying kayfabe, not them. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, so it's absolutely better to say nothing. I don't know if he deleted that or not, but I last, uh, I saw it was still up and I, I I don't really want to check right now, but at last I saw it was still up. So, yeah, so that's the story there. Uh, speaking about AEW, a uh, big-time hire coming into AEW, Jennifer Pepperman, named AEW Vice President of Content Development. She's a former WWE writer, Daytime Emmy Award winner for her work in the soap opera world. Uh, she is joining as VP of Content Development. Soap Opera Network got the scoop here. Look at that. Uh, you, you, you don't think Soap Opera Network is going to come in with this big scoop, but they got this one here. Uh, and Tony Khan had a tweet or a, a, a quote to them saying, quote, adding Jennifer Pepperman's brilliant mind to the AEW team opens the door for exciting new ideas and will help us build upon the incredible stories developing on the road to AEW Revolution across our three weekly shows on TBS and TNT and the effects of Jennifer's arrival in AEW will have felt for many years in the future. We're thrilled to welcome her today, and I look forward to her creatively and uh, collaboration with our team across the board in what will be AEW's biggest year yet and beyond. So uh, she had had been uh, WWE's longest-tenured woman creative team member uh she also if you maybe remember the name was also named in the now since dismissed uh britney abraham's lawsuit as well now that lawsuit was from last year that was kind of a uh, if you don't remember it was britney abraham's was a writer for WWE that just basically i don't know the exact terminology they would use but kind of racially you know about like you know being a a black woman in the WWE creative writing team how they treated you know her how they treated members of the roster that were were black you know it was the stuff about not being able to write for Bianca Belair this, this sort of stuff right. but Peppermint was named a lot of that Apollo Cruz right Apollo Cruz yeah just kind of the idea of of the stereotypes and and the prejudice kind of going on around um on people of color in that in in, in WWE and in the creative team uh, of that, but yeah, essentially, she, Pepperman was named in that lawsuit as well. Now, again, it has been—I think I think the term was voluntarily dismissed. I believe Abraham's did voluntarily dismiss it, but Pepperman was yes. named in that lawsuit for for berating Abraham's and doing that sort of stuff. But anyway, that that was yeah, Pepperman was one of the four writers specifically named in the lawsuit, right? Uh, yeah. Now, now it should be noted that Pepperman is also widely known to be a close ally of Mercedes Monet. Yeah. And was almost sort of, for lack of a better term, the personal writer for for Sasha Banks. Right, the Brian Gewurz. Like um, people are kind of saying, the Rockhead Brian Gewurz, right. who was like, nobody else writes my shit. Brian writes my shit. That's essentially what Pepperman was for Sasha. And and obviously Sasha Banks is a black woman, so there's obviously a conflict there. Mm-hmm. Either this woman, you know, is doesn't know how to write for African American wrestlers, but on the other hand. 
the biggest African-American star in the company um, loved her so much that she coaxed her into quitting her job and jumping over to the other side with her. So mm-hmm. your mileage may vary on Peppermint. Go ahead and go read the old lawsuit. It's all out there. But um, some of the quotes or whatnot. Here's my deal on her coming into AEW. That Tony Khan quote was very nice and very uh, PR-ish for sure. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, she is here as part of the money uh, contract deal. Uh, money obviously wanted her in the fold. And didn't she resign from WWE just a couple of weeks ago? Like literally been? like a week ago. Yeah. M- maybe, yeah. maybe, so maybe th- 10 days ago, but very recently. Yeah. Yeah. Money wanted her there. Money's a big star. Money's getting uh, millions and millions of dollars. And Tony Khan is giving money what she wants because money's a big star. That's what this is. Okay. Uh, if if money wasn't coming into AEW, Peppermint would not be coming into AEW. So Tony Khan could talk about her great creative vision and all this other such nonsense. She is there because Mercedes money wanted her there and wants someone on her team from the jump. And it's a wise political move. She's going to have someone there. Who's always on her side. Who's who she, who she is comfortable writing for her. And she instantly has an ally in a foreign locker room. That's what this is. And Tony wasn't going to tell her no. Because she's a huge star. And Tony wanted to win this one. And right. he got her. Dakota, Dakota, and, Dakota Jones brings up a great point. A, a great analogy that I'm, I'm sure you will know. He says very much a quote. College basketball team hiring a recruit's dad as an assistant coach. In order to get the kid signed. Sure. Happens all the you time. Know, and, and, a, guy, a kid's uncle. A kid's dad is now an assistant coach on the team. Because it's like hey. hey and, and, and it helps. It helps a lot. If you're going to pay her. <laughs> If you're going to pay money, all this money. And she's and she's like, hey, look, I, I really love working with this person and collaborating with them. She's a big enough star where she can mm-hmm. uh, throw her weight around and get the person hired. That's all there is to it. OK. Um, now, my personal opinion. I think television writers are the worst thing to ever happen to pro wrestling. And, and, you know, I agree with you on that. So that's her, my her holding an Emmy for for uh, her work on soap operas makes me. I, that's I, great. Go hire her for a soap. I have no use for it. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't. Yeah, that, that's I, I've long sure I've had that for a, 25 years of my life. The, the yeah. idea of soap opera writers and wrestling has done nothing but but make me hate wrestling more and more and more. But make wrestling worse. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I, you know, um, from that standpoint, she might be a wonderful soap opera writer. She's got the Emmys to prove it. Great. I have no use for these people in pro wrestling. And it's, look, Monet was going to get what she wanted. And she and that's the bottom line. Okay, but the last thing I want is for AEW to go down that path of bringing in these television writers. Because that's part of the reason why the WWE product has been dog shit since like the year 2000. So... You know, if it's going to make money happy, great. You know, you, you got to do what she says. She's a big star. You want to keep her happy, especially right right from the jump. I get it. I understand the move. I get it. But I, I don't want AEW to be a place where we're getting that kind of writing seeping in. I don't want – I want booking. This is pro wrestling. Right. I want a booker. AEW is supposed to be the alternative. I want it to be – I want booking. I don't want writing. I don't want writers. I don't want TV writers. I don't want uh, scripted promos. You don't want more Ruby I'll, Soho, uh, Cool Hand Ange love uh, uh, stories? 
infiltrating your exactly dynamite the kind of shit that that I do not want, and and that AEW should distance themselves from. And you know, from that standpoint, but again, this woman wouldn't have; she would still be in WWE if money wasn't coming to this right. If money didn't say, "I want, I want this person." And you know, Tony gives her a fancy title because everybody he hires, he gives them a fancy title. They're a vice president of something. What's her title? She's some kind of vice, vice president. president of so content development. Ah, great. You know, well, go yeah, develop so some you content a, on YouTube. Don't touch my dynamite or my collision, okay? So you get a fancy title, you make your big star happy, I get it. I'm not even saying I wouldn't have done the same thing. Because sometimes, you know, it's a star-driven business and you have to make your stars happy. Don't think that the Rocks boy didn't come with him on this latest run. You mentioned it earlier. Yeah, Brian Gortz, yeah. Yeah, that's his boy. That's who writes for him. And, you know, he's he works for The Rock. He works for Seven Bucks and... You know, he, he was he was the Rocks guy, you know, when, when you know, in nineteen ninety-nine or whatever, you know, in two thousand or whatever it was. So that's what this is. Um I, I don't have necessarily have any fear that AEW is now gonna go in that direction of bringing in Hollywood writers and um you know and, and, and people like that the way that WWE WWE went all in on that at a certain point in their history and they've never turned back. I don't think it's going to happen here. I think this is a move just to make one of their biggest stars happy. And you know, it is what it is. And it's a savvy move by money. It really is, you know, to have someone who is presumably being paid a lot of money to jump and has the fancy title and is in that room to have her back at all times when they're having those discussions in that room, she's got, it basically means that Monet herself is in the room. You, you, you got to admit it's savvy and it's smart. That's hey, she's a worker. She she learned this business because this is how you do it. This this is the business. Yeah, the Brutus beat. You can at, you can go through all the top stars in professional wrestling history. They all got a guy or a girl or an ally or whatever. Brutus Beefcake to to Hulk Hogan to the Brian Gewertz to the Rock. Like you know what I mean? There's all. All those guys, Paul Heyman, whoever the new Paul Heyman guy is, you know what I mean? Like those allies, they get in the room. They know how to be in the well, room. Now, whenever there's dumb WWE shit on the show, I get to blame Pepperman. Absolutely, yeah. Pepper you, 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 you start Pepper from Man. this moment here, right now, moving forward, everything you can right. blame on her for sure. Yeah. But uh, there you go. So Jennifer Pepperman, 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 whatever. Uh, all right. Let's get to you know what you know what let's just do this quickly. You want to talk about elimination chamber, Joe? And you want to get to, listen. You're, you're listen, sir. You're running the show, sir. Let's do I, it. I am. I am here. I am here to serve you. I'm still getting through MLW, I am here Joe. To pull out uh, the where tapes. am I at? I am an hour and twenty five minutes in, baby. I only got a little. I got, I got a little listen, bit more left to go. I'm good. All I got waiting for me is a sink full of dishes. So I am here. Take to my service. time. <laughs> Anything good? Did you make something good? I never cook on Thursdays because of the show. Okay. So just a sink full of dishes. Just, yeah. I, you know, the kitchen's my territory. Okay. I own the kitchen. So uh, that's all that's waiting for me. <laughs> so you got all the time. All right. Let's talk about WWE Elimination Chamber in Perth. We are uh, not doing an instant reaction for this uh, show. Now, I will be awake because I wake up at 5 a.m. anyway. But uh... Well, then let's do it. 
<laughs> I don't really want to. You want to do fucking cowards? Elimination Chamber purse. This show sounds horrible. Yeah, it really does. It's a, it, Honestly, if this was a better looking show, I would say let's do it because I wake up anyway. I'd have to wake up, I think, at worse an hour earlier than I usually do. I'd be fine. You'd find a way around it. You would either just not go to bed ever or whatever. I fully expected to come on the show and say, Joe, let's do the instant reaction for the show. Then I read the show and I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing this. Maybe I'll do some sort of content for it if, if, if I'm up and I watch the whole show. Well, you know, you, 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 you joke and we joke. Here's the thing. These WWE pay-per-views. What? Under Levesque. Premium live events, Joe. PLEs. No, they're pay- yeah, they're, fuck off. They're pay- I don't, Paul. I don't work for them. <laughs> yeah. I don't work for them. I don't have to use their verbiage. There's been a few people that have tried to, like, um, have, have written for us over the last couple months, and they use PLE, and I, every time, go, no, pay-per-view. Just call them pay-per-views. I'm not calling them No, PLEs. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Listen, <laughs> right. I don't I don't work for them. Right. They're not superstars. Okay? I No, I don't work for you. Right. I don't have to use your language. And you don't have to use the the, the, the nicknames for the people. You don't have to, you know, I, I we don't need any of that. We don't need. Yeah. Now, in the case of the PLEs, I kind of see it because it's like, but here's the thing. They do still sell them as pay-per-views. They do. So until they stop selling them as pay-per-views, I'm just going to call them pay-per-views. Ah, Pure Live, that's a dumb term anyway. Yeah, it's their little created fake term, like yeah. all their other created fake terms. And if I'm not employed by them, I'm under no obligation <laughs> right. to use I'm not, those terms. I'm not letting them win this one, too. They've won all the other dumb fake term things. I, Except for wrestling. They've never won wrestling. I, They've never won wrestling, which is great. No. No, they have never won now. Now, I cringe every time when they have their little pressers and all these content creator geeks use all of the terms. You don't work for them. You don't have to use the terms. You don't have to say WWE superstar. You don't have to say <laughs> right. that. Do you know how much of a fucking hi, you sound hi, like? Hi, the archer of infamy. Tell me about what it's like to be a WWE superstar and or your they'll, current they'll state as like, senior money in the bank. Right? No, they'll say things like, uh, now that you're the Intercontinental Champion, which WWE superstar do you have your eyes on? Right. Uh, do you, you know? It, it's like you don't have to say these words. No one's going to fire you. You're not going to get yelled at in the back. You have to play these games. It's not. A, it's a fucking pay per view. Anyway. Well, this pay per view sucks. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. All of the pay-per-views under Levesque are bad. Like, they're never good. The lineups stink. There's usually, like, four or five matches. There's, like, no matches on these fucking things. <laughs> you get all that dead time in between the matches because they have to fit in the commercial breaks for the for the, for the the poor Peacock subscribers. You know, and then the, the people who pay for the commercial-free Peacock get a different commercials and... Or you get longer like, video packages. Because some people, if you don't pay, did you know that if you don't pay for the Peacock, you don't get all the video packages? Can you imagine not getting a WWE premium live event video package before your matches? That would be just awful. So you get all this dead time between the fucking five matches that they're giving you. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, if Gunther is on the show, you might get a good match or two if you're lucky. But the vast majority of the matches are going to fucking stink. Levesque cannot book pay-per-views. Go look at his pay-per-view history. He's got a couple good ones. They're mostly bad. We usually come on here and destroy these pay-per-views. And let me tell you something. Oh, well, that's you guys. You guys hate WWE. All right. Arm raised. 
guilty as charged. <laughs> you nailed it. Them. You but, nailed it. Yeah. But there have been many times in the history of this company and the history of this show, Rich, where we have praised their paper. Oh, they had, a, they had a run even a couple years ago where we were talking about how, you know, hey, we hate the day-to-day show, but they've had a run of, of you know, yeah. six, seven, eight months of, of these pay-per-views that have been really, really good. And we talked about it last year at this exact time. We, we came out and, and praised Elimination Chamber last year at this time. We came out and praised, you know, a certain, you know, even the Royal Rumble last year I think we both liked and, and, and really enjoyed. I mean, there was a time very, yeah, not, not that long ago where they had a very good run of pay-per-views. They have not had a good run of pay-per-views lately. They've been no, pay- no, atrocious. Most of, Paul's, most of Levesque pay-per-views stink. And these weird shows with like five matches, right? And a lot the dead time. It, it cannot be understated how much dead time. And this is a big reason why I don't actually like to watch these things live because you can skip so much of this if you don't care. And, and this one, trust me, because this one is in Perth, Australia, obviously paid for by the government in that in that region. I forget if it was based off, you know, whatever. I, I don't know who's paying for it, but it, someone in that region is paying for WWE to come here, whether it's the city or the the state. Or I, you know, I don't know how, how Australia, you know, politics or any of that sort of stuff works. So what you're going to get is what you get on the Saudi Arabian shows where you're going to get a video package and then a tourist video about Perth or a tourist video about Australia. And then you're going to get a match, and then you're going to get three video packages, an interview, a video package, and then another commercial about Perth. And it's like, oh, my God, if you don't watch these things live, you could just blitz through these shows. Like, I, I forget what the yeah. most recent one was. Not the Royal Rumble, because I watched that one live, but the one before that, I forget what it was. I was able to watch that thing. Or maybe, I don't know, back, who, who cares? Whatever. I was able to watch that thing in like an hour and 45 minutes. And I was like, man, if you just watch the matches, and especially if you skip the entrances, because one of the big things about WWE is their fucking entrances and the song and dance and this guy raises his arm this way and then the promo the pyro goes this way and then this person spins and then stomps the ground and then the pyro goes you skip all that bullshit because you've seen one you've seen a thousand of them the show once the bell rings if you watch bell to bell these shows blow by so watching them live is just a fucking chore because you have to watch all these dumb entrances you have to watch all these dumb videos you have to watch the recaps of the matches that they do of the show that you're watching (laughs) you know what i mean like that's my favorite thing too Two hours into this, you know, pay per view, we got to do a recap video for the match that started the show. <laughs> well, I've been watching it, brother. I don't need to see a recap of what just happened an hour ago. But that's what these fans love. The AEW doesn't do enough of this stuff. You know, we need to recap everything <laughs> seven times over because that's the way to do it. They're, they're, yeah, the pay, their pay per views are not good. Now, their their audience eats them up. Their audience eats up everything, though. You know, our audience, and that's who we are previewing these shows for. Um, you know, these shows just, they're, they're very rarely good. Now we are told by uh, Kevin Chiat that this stadium holds about 60,000 people for a sporting event. And the record in this building is 73,000 people for an Ed Sheeran concert last year. So use that as your guide. Now I know they're going to have their big stage set up and everything. And I don't know how many tickets are being offered. I guess we could look that up on WrestleTix if we really needed to. Um, but I think they were about 40,000 tickets out or so as of not that long ago. And they were doing some ticket packages, um, four tickets for the price of three and things like that to kind of fill out the rest of the seats. I'm not going to sit here and knock a show with an attendance of over 40,000. So uh, that's not what I'm doing. And of course, the show is bought and paid for. So they're going to make their money regardless on something like this for all the reasons Rich just said. Right. Uh, there are some satellite events. Uh, the Undertaker is doing a Woodman show at a prison. I'm not making any of <laughs> none that. None of up. that is. Uh, yeah, by the way, none of that is uh, untrue. That's exactly. 
That is exactly soy accurate. face. Soy face Undertaker is in Australia as we speak. And have you seen his soy face YouTube videos? Rich? I have, and it's infuriating to see. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Um, Remember when this guy, man. people, he used to be so fucking protective of him and his yeah. character. There was decades where you never knew what this guy was into, what he did in his real life. You just knew him as the Undertaker. And that he would always say, oh, I'm very protective of everything that I do. And now he's doing shocked face YouTube videos and doing a one-man show in a prison in Australia. Well, that's how you know he's really done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera and a doorbell all three in one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security 
The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, Passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived. And, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. But yeah, at the Fremantle prison, he's doing a one-man show. <laughs> this, okay. Now this isn't exactly, you know, Johnny Cash playing for the uh for the inmates. This this prison has been shut down for decades now and is a uh event venue so uh, but still pretty funny that he's doing a one what what does a undertaker one-man show constitute what does he do does he play a little banjo does he what, i think like, he's he doing yeah he walks around and answers questions about uh working with triple h's i don't know yeah something 
Some stupid. So it's all right, I'll be like, is he saying, Oi, mate, oi, when you throw the mankind off of the top of the roof, Oi, did you think he was dead? Oi, like that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And he just sits on his stool and goes like, oh, yeah, you guys tough as nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just mumble some bullshit answer that will then get, you know, I'm sure content creators will be there taking videos of it. So we'll, we'll have 19 different angles of him answering questions poorly. So I can't wait. Oi, oi, mate. Oi, mate. Which of the heartbreak kid matches did you think uh, was the best cracker, mate? Oi. <laughs> Crikey, like that kind of shit. Yes, yes. Like, yeah. Um, Complete with I, I your mean, horrifically out of date uh, Australia, like 19, 1990 comedian level Australia accent. I thought that was a pretty good. Australia That's not bad. Accent. Yeah, actually, I've, yeah. You know, you know, to be you honest, know, a, you know, it's hard. You know, Australia and and British, you, you got to be careful. Very, very, very different, but hard to make that difference when you're doing like an. If you're not speaking it, it's very hard to make it to to, to do it. You, you know, you can mix those up very easily, you know. And then you just got the oys in there. That that really helps you, too. The oys really. Crikey. Cool. Just throw a crikey in when you're lost. <laughs> you're basically just doing the bushwhackers who are New Zealanders, but that's fine. It's close enough. You know, no one's going to call <laughs> yeah, you. I'm not doing the bushwhackers <laughs> at all, Rich. It's a completely different country. You always do that. I got to tell you, this Krach. No, I'm saying you're doing a bushwhackers, but they're not even. They're, you, you, are, you sound like the bushwhackers, but you're not. They're no, from New Zealand. No, I, I sound like an authentic Australian person. Okay, <laughs> I don't. So no, I do not sound like the Bushwhackers who are from New Zealand. You're, you're a real Adam Brooks over there. I can't even tell. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. You can't. You know, it's uh, Grayson Waller. Yeah, that's that's Grayson Waller. He's, he's going to be, be on the show. He's going to be there. He's, yeah, the Grayson. See, you know, you know you what the best thing that was? Yeah, you know what? I couldn't even tell. Couldn't even tell if you were playing a clip. You from... Thought it was him. <laughs> The best, I want to just say, because by the way, Cody and Seth are going to be on the show, but they're going to be doing a Grayson Waller effect segment. So uh, great. Um, I love that we've been talking about this from the moment that they signed this guy. Forget when they signed him or forget what year it was. It was like 2019 or something like that when they signed Maddie, the former Maddie Wahlberg, the current Grayson Waller. And we said, when are they going to realize that they have Moneyball Miz on their roster, and they can use him anytime they want, and they can let the Miz go. They're spending X amount of millions of dollars for the Miz when they have the Miz on their roster right now for probably $250,000 or $400,000 or whatever. I don't know how much Grayson Waller makes or was making at that time, but they had Moneyball Miz on the roster for years and never used him. I'm glad finally now. Maybe, maybe it was the Nikon influence saying, wait a minute. What about this guy who does the exact same thing that the Miz does, but we only have to pay him you know, one ninetieth of what we're paying the Miz, and now here we are. Grayson Waller, the Grayson Waller effect. Now he's he is now the current like chicken shit asshole that does a, an interview segment that gets heels and or gets baby faces upset with him. So it's fantastic. They finally done it. We could have saved them a lot of money for like five years, but you know what? That's fine. You couldn't even tell whether it was me or Davis Storm on the other side of this. <laughs> Our life. boy Davis Storm, yeah. You you had no idea. Okay, from Perth, by the way. Yeah, from Perth. That's an EPW guy. Was uh, I always forget which side of the country Grayson Waller worked on? Yeah, a, yeah. I, I, I was he a Perth or a Melbourne guy? I want to say he was MCW. I want to say he was MCW. No, well, you would be wrong. He Damn. was a uh, EPW guy. Mm, okay, Maddie Wahlberg, PWA Black Label. Where was PWA though? 
that's like were Sydney. they more Sydney? They were more Sydney area, yeah. No, well, he's from Sydney. PWA. Oh, okay, okay. I thought um, PWA was based in Sydney, though. The promotion? Yeah, I thought they were, but maybe I'm wrong. Robbie Eagles they and are. the likes and they are velocities. Yeah, they are. yeah, okay, all right, yeah. Where the fuck is Sydney? Let's look it up. Well, yeah, this is always the problem with Australia too. Where you know, one time we were talking to our uh, Davis Storm about something. That's a big- Country. It's yeah. very big. It's like when you, you talk about your mom talking about Texas, and she's like, "Oh, da da da." He lives in Houston now. You're like, "Great." What does that mean to me? That means nothing. That's so many hours away from me. <laughs> but like, one time David Storm was talking. We were talking to him about some show in Australia, and we're like, "Yeah, hey, you're gonna get booked on that show." And he's like, "Well, it's like 19 hours away, so no." <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like asking somebody from America, you know, "Hey, there's a uh, West Coast Pro Show this weekend. You get right. booked on that?" And he's like, "No, I live in Delaware. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> All right, I'm so let's going to San Francisco for a." indie show sydney's on the east coast <laughs> perth is on the west coast melbourne is south right like in the middle okay all right so now that's been settled great um i just didn't know where um i i was i had uh nobody cares i had melbourne wrong i had melbourne and sydney mixed up i knew where perth was well that's this like, shows <laughs> go on Perth to Sydney is like you're saying. It's like from California to New York. It's preposterous. <laughs> Pretty they, far, yeah. <laughs> can't work the same. Yeah, it's not the same people. Right. You're not making a town. You're not making a weekend town uh, driving through the outback <laughs> for 19 hours or whatever to uh, uh, to do that. But anyway, uh, this show is happening in Perth, and it is terrible. Uh, so as we mentioned, Cody and Seth are going to be on the Grayson Waller effect. So uh, that should – some fireworks should truly emerge from that one, I'm sure, Joe. Uh, Rhea Ripley will spin around and stomp her foot, and she'll also defend the WWE Women's World Title against Nia Jax. Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax. We have a WWE World Heavyweight Title Number One Contendership Elimination Chamber match. Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, LA Knight, and Logan Paul. We'll also have a WWE Women's World Title Number One Contendership Elimination Chamber match. Becky Lynch, Naomi, Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, Raquel Rodriguez, Tiffany Stratton. You might wondering, wait, no Jay Cargill again? No, no Jay Cargill. They had her in the background of one of the promos and then somehow decided that she shouldn't be in this match and then instead Raquel Rodriguez is in this mm. match. So um, mm. she did the rumble and another star-making performance for for, for Jade Cargill. And well, uh, follow-up has been seri- nothing. In all seriousness, it tells me that she, they probably had her earmark to win and then changed her mind and then said, why would we want her to lose? Right, we don't want her to lose or whatever. So. Probably something like that, yeah. I feel like at some point you're going to have to take the kids' gloves off, right? We're going to have to, like, actually do something or push her or put her on TV. Or... You, know the, you know, I've seen others make this point, but it's true. I don't know what they're worried about because their audience does not fucking care anyway. They don't care if she stinks. They're going to say that she's cooked, that she cooks, and that she's great no matter what she does. She could go in there and blow four spots in a row. They're still going to say she looked great. It does not matter with their audience. So I don't think it's a, a I don't think at this point, I think, yes, at, at some point it was, oh, wow, she's yeah, there. She's not good after the rumble. It's like, but, all right, we got it. We got to Right. Gotta I think here. now it's more a matter of when's the right time to really get her in the mix because we want to push her and make her look good. I don't think I don't think it's a matter of. We don't think she can wrestle. I don't, I don't think that's it. It may have been at the beginning. In fact, we know it was because Triple H said it was. But now I don't think that's the factor anymore. 
you know, you don't have to get her. There's only a certain level of competency that you need. Yeah, what Look are we doing their- here? This isn't the fucking the, 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 what's up, Kira Hokuto out there. It's like she can, she can't be. She's no. She's worse than Nia Jax. I don't believe. I I no. If you can't tailor she's- a match around her abilities. In this company, in this can. era, you absolutely can't. What the fuck are you guys? I don't doing? even think I don't even think Jade is good, and I think she's better than half the people in NXT. That's what I'm saying, just by presence alone, just come out yeah. and do accentuate yeah. the positives, hide the negatives. What can you do? Cool, just do that. Come out, hit your big power moves, flex, and then we're good. That's all you need to do. Who cares? It's weird. It's just strange. I I I don't get it. Yeah, I, I got it up until the Rumble, but after the Rumble, it was like, all right, the band aids ripped off. Go. Let's do something here, but you're right. Who knows? Uh, and then if you're wondering, hey, where are the title matches? What other matches do you have? Well, well, I got one other match, baby, and it's for the Raw Tag Team titles and the SmackDown Tag Team titles because the Judgment Day have both. Defending them, defending them against the new Catch Republic of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates. Yes, they are now a tag team, and their name is the new Catch Republic. British Strong Style. Yeah. No more. The new catch, Republic. He's back to Pete Dunn. He's back to Pete Dunn, at least. Yeah, he's not Butch anymore. That was nonsense. And Tyler Bate, after nine years in developmental, is finally on the main roster. Finally good enough to work. Yeah. It, the, the tag team name stinks, but, you know, ultimately that doesn't matter. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Who cares? Nothing it's just matters. hard to be. <laughs> Eat it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, It's hard to be excited about anything in that company. I mean, I don't, you know, it's uh, it's not for us. It's not for most of the people who listen to this. Not all, but. You know, it's I try to find bits and pieces that I could get into, and it's you know. But I, I will say this isn't a very good show. No, if, unless you love lists. elimination chamber matches, which uh, let me tell you, I do not. So, um, I mean, I guess their fan base will eat it up, though. Like we always say, you know, I was going to say, like if I'm an Australian fan, I've been waiting years. This is what I get. I'd be like, what? This is the show? But no, nah, dude, they're, they're, that, mean, that they, fucking they thing will that damn sound. And then the lights are gonna go, and then Liv Morgan's chamber is gonna light up, and they're gonna go, yeah. Then Liv Morgan's gonna come in and punch some people and hit some people with a kendo stick, and they're gonna love it. So, there's four fucking matches on this show, <laughs> and the Grayson Waller effect. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Davis. That's it on this whole fucking show. Yeah. Remember, I mean, do you remember when people were convinced that The Rock was going to return and wrestle yeah. for the first time in a decade on this show? Well, I mean, shit, if I'm Seth Rollins, I'm like, dude, I have one fucking leg, and you want me to fly 17 hours back and forth to go on the Grayson Waller effect? Like, what the fuck? Right, have Grayson Waller what? sit at the table with his fucking palm trees and be like, oh, it's Cody. <laughs> Oh, cranky, oh, yeah. Nobody like, wants your title. <laughs> it's like, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so like, what, do you, what is it to you, Grayson? It's like, what the yeah. fuck? What is going on? Seth, if there's a time to pull rank, buddy. <laughs> right, right. This would be the time to say, look, we can do this on Raw. <laughs> I don't need to go to Perth to do this. Now, you know, Cody, he's a psychopath. He'll go anywhere. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. See, Cody, we're thinking of uh, going to Antarctica to shoot an angle. Uh, yeah, sure. No problem. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes. yeah. I want to bring my dog. Right. Yeah, no problem. Bring the dog. <clears throat> the dog in Liberty. Is that his daughter's name? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring them all. Bring the whole gang. Um, but, but Seth, he don't need to do this shit. No, no. 
Maybe Becky's already got to go, so he figures out, just go with her. That you know what you make a good point. Right, maybe they're bringing the kid. I'd tell be- oh, if I was no, Becky, I'd say Seth, keep the kid at home. <laughs> like, let's just. No, you're right. Maybe they're bringing the kid, or maybe they got a babysitter. They're gonna have a great weekend in Perth. We're gonna go to Perth. Exactly. You know what? You make a great point. We're gonna fuck our brains out in an Australian hotel room. Well, not too much because the knee is still affected. You know, he still got. A... I, he knows that she can please him quite well, <laughs> right. and we know they're that. gonna take care of that. Without a doubt. So I, I do think that's, yeah, and go to do whatever it is you do in Perth. I don't know. What does one do in Perth? Maybe they yeah. can, well, you can go to the EPW Australian Wrestling <laughs> I'm Super sure Show. I'm sure will be doing that, yeah, yeah. Which is on February 23rd. So, yeah, if you're wondering if there's satellite events, EPW is, in fact, running, as well they should. Very smart of them to run. Um, All the stars are there. I shouldn't say that because then people think I'm mocking. Not all the stars, like really all the EPW stars are there. So, you know, Robbie Eagles is on the show. They got a big uh, multi-man main event. The State of Origin Challenge, which is some kind of Australian thing that I, you know, poor Kevin tried to make sense of it. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Here's what he said. Equivalent of the NBA All-Star Game, it used to be a big deal in Australian rules football, but went away in the 90s. It's a huge deal in rugby league for New South Wales, Queensland, and seen as being more important than the National Rugby League Grand Final. So yeah, the state of origin, I don't know what any of that means. It's some kind of play off of some kind of sports all-star game that they do in Australia. But it's uh, it's Team Western Australia, Taylor King, Davis Storm, Alex Kingston, and Mikey Nichols versus Team Victoria. Slex, comma, the business, Adam Brooks, Mitch Waterman, and Caveman Ugg. So these guys, are, we, these guys are playing rugby? Oh, no, they're, they're wrestling. They're wrestling. They're no, not they're playing wrestling. rugby. Oh, okay, I thought they were playing it, rugby for a minute It's named after the rugby uh, game. Okay, I get it. I get it. For a second there, I was like, that actually sounds sick. I want to see Slex the business. I bet he's pretty mean. I bet all those guys are pretty mean rugby players or Australian Dude, rules football. Rugby. That's yeah, what, as you're guys. listening to this, I'm yeah. like, man, I, <laughs> this sounds awesome. But, you know, I, I think it's like if there was a uh, – if, if an American promotion did a gimmick main event and called it the Pro Bowl. Right, right, right. Like, that's kind of what this is. This, you know. Um, yeah, so Western Australia versus Victoria. Robbie Eagles against Hayden Zenith. I'm not familiar with Hayden Zenith. Um, is there a title match for... Uh, what's their top title? Is that the Coastal title or is that something else? <sighs> Do you remember? I'm kind of out of the loop on, on the Australian promotions. We haven't yeah, really we, followed them. We've uh, not had our finger on it. I believe it is the Coastal Championship. Yeah, you're right. Uh, It says the current champion is Bruno Nitro. So unless Bruno Nitro is listed. He's defending the title against uh, Matt Hayter. But I I can never remember whether they consider that their top title. Because they have a heavyweight title, too. They have a heavyweight title. Uh, Taylor King has their heavyweight title. So I don't know if the Coastal or the heavyweight is the bigger title. I I forget as well. Right. But um, a quick look at the title histories. It looks like a lot of the top stars have kind of held both. So I know the Coastal title is a newer title. I think the heavyweight title is their top title. I think. Yes. As a matter of fact, now that I look at this, because all those Mikey Nichols matches I used to review when he was their champion for like three years or whatever it was, just that's the title it was for. Okay. All right. So, um, Taylor King is the heavyweight champion, and he's in the gimmick match at the end. 
So, but anyway, the point here is EPW is running on the 23rd. Is that the same date as the, uh, uh, the chamber is cause it's, it's technically it's a little funky for our, I, I no, guess the, it's well, technically the, date, the 24th. The date there. It's, the date it's there. the 24th. It's the 24th. All right. So EPW is running the day before. Yeah. All right. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a very dire looking elimination change. That is that's... not great. Yeah, I fully expected to tell you, Joe. Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do an uh, innocent reaction. But uh, I can't. I can't see myself really wanting to <laughs> talk about this show afterwards. But we'll see. I, I will probably be watching it live. But we'll, we'll we'll see if I do any content, or you have to wait till next week to get our our review of Elimination Chamber. But we'll see. Pretty dire. As you said. All right, let's talk about something that was not dire at all. Let's get to the world of RevPro here because RevPro had an awesome, what I thought an awesome top-to-bottom show, High Stakes 2024. Uh, this, of course, is main evented by Michael Oku and Will Ospreay. We'll talk about that match here in a minute. But I thought top-to-bottom, this was a really, really, really good show for RevPro. It has the same trappings of every RevPro show where the production is pretty terrible, commentary is loud, and, and sometimes obnoxious. But... Uh, I don't know. I I liked. I thought the show pretty much. There was maybe one match that I didn't like, and I think we all kind of have the same match that we all didn't like. Uh, but I thought most of the other, rest of the show was pretty damn good. And obviously, the main event, which we should talk about off the top, uh, right now has a nine point five on Cage Match, and that's the RevPro Undisputed British Heavyweight Title Match. Michael Oku defending against Will Ospreay. Forty-seven minutes and twelve seconds. Dave Meltzer has been raving about this match ever since it happened. You know, you and I went on the show two years ago when Oku and Osprey had their match and, and just raved about that one. And this one, man, I don't, I, I don't know if I, I think I liked it more than I'd like to watch them more back to back. I think I'd like to watch them back to back to kind of see or, or at least at this point, watch the one from two years ago to kind of compare because I still have this one fresh in my mind. But I really love this match. I thought this was just a phenomenal, phenomenal match. It's obviously Will Ospreay's farewell to Rev Pro for now, his farewell to British wrestling for now. And Oku, it's kind of his seminal moment here, finally beating Will Ospreay. It's a seminal moment for for Rev Pro in general. You know, he he uses you know Mad Kurt, you know, the recently passed away Mad Kurt. He uses one of his moves in the match as well. So it was just a big, big story, and it was big and voluminous. And I understand why some people you know didn't like this thing because it's forty seven minutes. There's a lot to it, but I thought this was a phenomenal, phenomenal match. And, and we'll get into the details of it uh, here in a bit. But uh, what what did you think uh, of of Oku versus Osprey? Well, what's this one bad match that you think everyone's going to agree on? Because I'm curious what you think. Uh, Shingo and Trent be. 7. Shingo and Trent 7. Really? Uh, it was long. It was long. It wasn't bad. Uh, I thought there were worse matches than that on the show. Okay. We'll have to see I if we get the, the same one. I thought the whole I didn't think anything on the show was bad. If I'm going to be honest. Well, I didn't really like the women's match. But... Everything else at minimum was pretty good, I thought. Yeah. I'm kind of, I, I thought Shingo and Trent, I, bad might be strong, long. It was long, and, and it felt like a match that could have been done in like 11 minutes, and they made it 21 minutes. But I guess ultimately they worked pretty hard, and they got the crowd into it at the end. But I don't know. They, that, that, one, that, one, that one was a bit of a slog for me to get through. But everything else I think I liked. I, I think I liked the women's match probably more than you did, and everything else as we kind of break it down, I think we're probably pretty similar on all those, if you agree with me that everything else is pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was a really good show, top to bottom. Um, but as far as the main event, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say anything anyone else hasn't been saying. I thought it was a great fucking match. And I think, look, 47 minutes and 12 seconds is really long. Okay. And I think that you and I follow RevPro pretty closely. 
um, you're on top of every big show and you have been for years. You watch a lot of the shows that, that aren't the big shows, you know, so I watch even, I think I probably watch a little more of Red Pro than you. Right. You watch everything. You watch even like the live at the cockpits and stuff. And I think I skip most of those, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll watch almost everything, you know, occasionally if I'm short on time and I look at a lineup and I'll be like, eh, but yeah. So we're on top of Red Pro is the point. And I think for people like us who saw the first match between these two are follow the promotion, know what's going on storyline wise, know all the nuances. The 47 minutes and 12 seconds isn't nearly as intimidating as it would be for someone who heard how great the match is. They don't pay any attention to Rev Pro and they're going to parachute in to watch the match. 47 right. minutes is a lot to ask someone. You know, if it, if there was a great match of the year contender in a promotion, I, I'll give you in stardom, right? And I saw that it was 47 minutes. <laughs> a lot of their matches are. <laughs> a lot of their big time matches yeah. are, yeah. Yeah, a promotion that I don't follow at all. And I wouldn't know anything about the story coming in. It'd be a challenge for me even to be motivated enough to click play. Mm-hmm. Or to understand the finality of this one as well. That's another reason why it was so yeah. long is because it was telling so many stories and concluding so many stories as well. Yeah. But again, if you just swooped in because you heard it was a good match, you don't know about all that sort of stuff. You haven't a, lived rough ass. through the Oku experience. You haven't lived through Osprey in Rev Pro, and, and you haven't lived through Oku and Osprey having their matches before. If you just kind of swoop in, I get it. Yeah, it would be very intimidating. But if you follow the promotion, this was a great fucking match because um, from an execution standpoint, I thought both guys were incredible. Will Osprey is always incredible, and this was a particularly good night for him. I thought his Offense in particular during the portion of the match where he was just beating the living shit out of Oku was so great. And I thought that Oku was incredible selling the beating. And Oku, it's the perfect role for him because he is a great, great, sympathetic babyface in front of the right crowd. Right. And this is the right crowd. In front of these crowds that have a connection with him, and where he's over and where they've seen his, you know, entire career play out. And that one, the one strength he has always had is that crowd connection to the local fans where he's from in the UK. He is not a good, but a great sympathetic baby face in taking a beating and Osprey and dealing the beating was exceptional. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's what the first match really was. For people that didn't see it, the first match was essentially just Osprey beating this kid within an inch of his life. And he, I say kid in the sense that because yeah. that's kind of the story they're telling. I don't think the age-wise, I think Oku might actually be older than Osprey. But the idea is here's big, strong Will Osprey. It's unbelievable that we're at this point now where Osprey's big and strong. World, worldwide superstar. Right, worldwide superstar, big, strong, giant, you know, global superstar Will Osprey beating on the local guy it, it, it had very much like a, I, I know you hate ecw comparisons but it kind of had like a little bit of like a mikey whipwreck type of thing to it or whatever or just like sure. here's this guy that hey we all like him here and oh shit here's this guy and oh god he's just beating the living fuck out of this kid <laughs> just and, and that's what the first match was is osprey really finally fully seeing through his heel character at the time when he was really starting to kind of do it and a complete change in what will osprey's character and his wrestling style was because the match was just just absolutely beating Oku within an inch of his life. And that's what the match was the first time. 
Yeah, and then that's what they were replicating here. And then, um, I, and then the closing stretch. Now, look, here's my the point I was going to make though. Yeah, the, the match probably will come across as excessive and too long if you're parachuting in. I get it. But if you're locked into the story and you follow the promotion, or if you at minimum saw the first match, I don't think the match is too long. It didn't feel too long to me when I was watching it because I understand the story and I was invested and the work was so good and, the, and this match was so good that I didn't think the 47 minutes was too long and I didn't think the well over an hour start to finish entrances to post-match was too long either. I agree. I, I was locked um, in the whole time. I was locked in 100 Yeah, they, the needed, they needed that. You know, they, they filled that amount of time uh, properly for what they were trying to do, but you know, I get it. Uh, if 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 you're not in that situation, you just drop in. But I still do think that you can. This is the kind of match that you can drop in on, and if you can have the patience to watch a 47 minute match where you don't really know what's going on, you're still going to appreciate this match on some level and think that the wrestling is just exceptional. Right? That, they, had, they had a great you know, promo package before too, so it's not like anybody watching this. If you want to watch the promo that right. they played before the match, you'll get the entire story right there. Yeah, so I, I, I don't buy that. It's like, oh, my God, I can't watch this because I don't know the story. It's like, eh, the promo package has the story for you. I, basically, what I, is my long-winded way of saying I could see why someone who didn't understand, what, who may not be super invested in the promotion would think it was excessive, including all of the kickouts at the end and stuff, too. But to me, all of the kickouts and the near falls fit the story as well. This wasn't some random indie match where two guys are just trying to have an epic bout with no real context and no story. And they're just kicking out of each other's shit. Okay. There was a reason and a purpose for Michael Oku being able to withstand all of Will Ospreay's best stuff at the end of this match. So even from that standpoint is what I mean when I say some people might find a lot of this match excessive, but I did not. Because, and I don't think a lot of people who follow the promotion did either, because everything they did fit the story being told, including all of those kickouts, including surviving the two hidden blades and the tiger and the sequence with the tiger driver and, and the hidden blade and the Stormbreaker. Okay? Because the story of this was Michael Oku withstanding all of that from Will Ospreay and proving he can beat him. Mm-hmm. And take his best shot. But then also at one point too, on level. and also at one point too with Oku because he lifted Osprey up the two times too. Also being a little bit too worried about trying to you know make a statement there and and almost losing the match because of it, picking the guy up and saying no 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 I'm going to do one more thing to him, picking him up and doing yeah. one more thing yeah. and nearly getting caught on it and nearly getting caught on it, which is also kind of you know another Oku thing is like yeah and maybe sometimes he gets a little too cocky and he's not all he's not the goody two shoes you know white meat baby face that, that, you know, a lot of other guys, he's, he does have an edge to him here. And here he is now this guy that's, that's beaten on him that just got done kicking his, 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 I don't know if they're married or whatever, his, his wife, his partner, whatever, Amira just got done kicking her, throwing his blood on a f- towel at her or whatever. And he's not just, he doesn't want to just beat this guy in a professional wrestling match. He wants to beat this guy and, and embarrass him yeah. for what he's done to him. So he lifts him up twice and nearly gets caught from it and nearly loses because of it. Yeah. Because he wants to give, will the same kind of beating that will has given him and all yeah. that yeah look it was a great match with a great story and look michael loku's stuff a lot of times is is way too excessive he's very much influenced by the 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 the, the, the nxt style the old nxt style the adam cole johnny gargano nxt like that's very much what oku's about and a lot of his matches do lose me there's no doubt about it 
but um this one did not because the story of this and everything really um fit the style and the kind of match that they were and and, and yeah it was just it was great and it was special and then the the execution of everything was was pitch perfect what i can do without it really grosses me the fuck out and it's becoming a trend hangman and swerve did it stop eating other people's blood i can't take it <laughs> yeah we, we are probably at a at, at a it's uh... fucking disgusting i can't deal with it like i'm not uh, like a real squeamish person but Will Ospreay wiping up Oku's blood on his finger and then sucking his finger. I, I You don't need that. It doesn't add anything. Swerve and Hangman drinking each other's blood. I mean, I can't take it. It's fucking disgusting. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, it was an incredible match. I mean, I, I don't... All the superlatives have been said. I think... You know the cage match rating is fair. I think it's sitting at nine point five right now or something. Yeah, it was. Uh, let me see what it is right it's, now because it was nine point five when I put the notes in for the show. It is nine point five one right now, so it's actually going up. Yeah, I mean, it was actually at like nine point nine for a while, and obviously it's cage match; those things level off. But um, yeah, just an incredible, incredible match, and and Osprey, you know, his speech afterwards. You know, you can tell it's from the heart, and and um, Tony Khan was there, and you know, and then that you know it it, it it elevated its playing, and just like in Japan, you know, that one point in the song, they all go Osprey, ah, Osprey, ah, you know, you can feel the emotion, everybody in the building chanting it, and um, Zack Saber Jr. came out, you know, uh, and and they had a quick embrace and whispered some things to each other, and you know, that was a really good moment because you know those two guys. They just kept their head down. They're it, man. Hard. Yeah, they're they're Rev Pro. They represent Rev Pro more than they, yeah. That, that's and that and that whole British scene and 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 they kept their head down and worked hard and they won. And I know a lot of people are annoyed with that. Too bad they won because they just they kept their head down and and Zack Saber Jr. did the right thing by disconnecting off of social media. I, I don't care if that's an unpopular take. I've had it from the start and I have it now. He did the right thing. He just ignores the noise. Just ignores it. You know. And and Osprey, same thing. He grew up a lot. He grew up right in front of our eyes. He's gotten better at ignoring the noise. Just works hard. Best wrestler in the world. Five years going. And he won. And, you know, and, and Zach came out there and they had that quick hug and said whatever they said to each other. And um, a, a lot of times, each of those guys, for some reason, were made the main character of speaking out, which was woefully unfair to both of them. And they won. And good for them. And that'll annoy some people. I don't care. And that's true. Because that was never fair. Never fair. Why? Because they were the accessible ones after the ones that deserved to be run off got run off. Right. And so, the other ones disappeared. So you had to. So now, yeah, you know, and that was never fair. Good for Zach for ignoring it. And good for them for having that little moment. And, you know, I thought that was a nice little moment at the end of that show as well. And, um, yeah. So um, very similar to the scene in Osaka last week in New Japan for Will. And now he full-time AEW starting next week on Dynamite. And onward and upward for him. I'm sure, like just like last week, where I am 100% certain he'll be back in New Japan someday, I am 1 million percent certain he'll be back in Rev Pro. I mean, this, you know, the AEW, New Japan, Rev Pro, CMLL kind of alliance, it's it's so great. You know, I, I couldn't, I don't know if I could handpick four promotions I'd rather have be intertwined with each other. 
it's perfect. You know, it's it's. I've I've always said that CMLL is my preferred lucha promotion. I you know I I, I know you feel the same way because AAA is just a dumpster. Triple <laughs> A stinks. Yeah, I and Rev Pro, man, we respect everything Andy has done. He you know through COVID through speaking out, another guy who just kept his nose down and right. worked. And, and did and, all the right things. Yeah, and, and Will goes hand in hand with that as well. For for people that do not yep. know or people that weren't around, you know, four years ago when that sort of happened. So obviously you have the pandemic. Right when the pandemic starts, you have all this 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 the speaking out situation with with with, with felt like almost all of British wrestling got just completely just destroyed by this thing. It just felt like a complete gut. And, and while other companies were scrambling and doing code of conducts and all this crap on social media to try to get back pats and everybody to say, Oh yeah, yeah, no, we've changed. We've done this. And then the next guy would come and they'd be like, wait, that guy was a sex mess too. And they're like, Oh, sorry. Oh yeah. Our bad. It was all this dumb. And it was just like all this, you know, for, for these companies, it felt very performative at certain times, you know, with progress and whatnot of just like, and like you said, a lot of the guys that got involved in this thing were just went away, just disappeared. And whoever was left was getting the brunt of, of, of the assault and, and getting the brunt of people's, you know, uh, anger. And it, and what happened was rep pro basically said, look, to survive, we're going to have to do stuff. We're going to have to, you know, all these other companies said, we can't run. It's, it's a pandemic. We're going to go away. And that, you know, Hey, more power to them. That's what they did. Repro said, look, we need to run shows if we're going to survive. So they got everybody. They got everybody tested. They put everybody up in a hotel for a week. And once a month, they got everybody together, recorded all these shows, recorded these wrestling shows in this empty room in some random place. I don't even forget. I forget where the hell it even was. I may have even been in the hotel. I'm not even positive. I, yeah, I don't even remember. Maybe in a conference room at the hotel or whatever. Did these shows. Got everybody together for a month and keep the flame going. To keep and, the flame going and produce great pandemic wrestling, like like some great of the best pandemic wrestling. Some, some of the, the best, best pandem- pandemic wrestling. Yeah, and and kept the promotion alive. And Will Osprey worked all those shows, or the vast majority of those shows. People got paydays. People stayed in 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 the, in the public light and 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 fresh in people's minds. And Andy just quietly did the work, ignored the noise. When it when he had to get rid of people that had to go, he simply got rid of them. Yeah. No grandstanding, no silly fucking codes of conduct that no one cares about. None of that nonsense. Just doing the right things. That's all. Someone's got to go. They go. Right. Get get the sex pest out of here. Get all these assholes out of here. But we don't have to, you know, yeah, yeah, grandstand about it. And and please give us backpacks. Yeah. Right. Right. Pat ourselves on the back. Uh, create a code of conduct. Listen to all these goofs on Twitter. None of that. Just do the right things and do the work, and that's what he did. And now they're the last one standing, and they're the biggest promotion in the country, and they deserve it. And they deserve it because they just did the they kept their mouth shut, kept their noses down, and worked and 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 produced good wrestling and did all the right things without being showy about it or grandstanding or anything else. Or or you know, feeling like they had to answer to anybody. No, they just did what they had to do and did it right. Right. And it paid off. And maybe it is. To some extent, a new batch of fans. Good. Maybe that's what needed to happen. Maybe creating new fans is good. And I'm not even blaming fans who were run off by speaking out. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, that that it scene was, was a fucking cesspool. Yeah. I don't blame anybody for not being in the wrestling over there anymore. But maybe Rev Pro did a good thing and created some new fans. Right. 
Well, we, we have an article building that Crystal Palace. Absolutely, we have a, we have an article right now on VoicesWrestling.com by Ian Hamilton, who who does who's done a lot of work uh, in, in that scene and, and been there for years and years and years before you know most of us even knew about that wrestling scene in, in, in Britain. He's been he's been there covering it or whatnot, and he wrote an article that was actually pretty interesting. That like those companies that everybody kind of still looks at to say, "Oh God, British wrestling is dying." Your progresses, your you, you know these other your you know name whatever one you, you want to. These companies that are just dying on the husk and just not even around anymore and just completely gone or whatever. Other than RevPro, those companies have all kind of fallen by the wayside and nobody cares about them and nobody talks about them anymore and they don't really matter. But there are a lot of other companies in Britain and in in Europe that are doing well and are drawing crowds. And like you said, we don't hear about them. We don't know about them. They're not talked about on Twitter as much. They're not reviewed on podcasts as much. But they're out there putting a 1,000 people in buildings or whatnot. And I, and I love that Ian did that article because when he presented it to me, I was like, yeah, sounds great. You know, it's, it sounds like a really cool thing because I didn't even know about that either. And then you learned a little something. Yeah, I learned something about these five different promotions. And he said, like, look, these guys are putting big, you know, put a lot of people in these houses. And he sent me a link to one of these. Play- and there was a ton of people at this show. And I'm like, what the fuck? I think it was called Mega Slam was the name of the promotion. I'm going to link it in the uh, the show notes. Uh, and I'll put it in the um, in the chat right now for people that are listening live. But it's called The British Wrestling Scene Dead or a sleeping giant. And it brings up a very good point about how, yeah, leave those old husks alone. All those companies, who cares? ICW and Progress, and fuck them. They're gone. They're in the past. They did all their shit. The fans that are still have ill will towards those promotions, you are well in your right to do that. But maybe those fans have, have moved on and those promotions have moved on, but now there's a new wave kind of coming up here, maybe led by Rev Pro. Good. Yeah, and, and that's good. good. Yeah, and, and I get the sense that it is a new batch of fans, and, and that's, I think, a good thing. And Will Ospreay deserves a lot of credit because he could have hand-waved the whole scene and said, you know what, it's a mess, it's a cesspool, it's going to be too much work. But no, he helped get the new wave over. He helped get the new wave over. Uh, give old crew credit, too. Um, you know, and now there's a whole new, we, we've talked a million times about all the young talent that, that RevPro has, and some of them wrestled on this show, and... um. You know, and, and now we'll see how they do without it. Now, I love that building. I love this uh, this Crystal Palace that they've been running. I know they can't run um, your call for whatever reason. And I know that that building is kind of synonymous with RevPro. I think this building looks great on camera. It looks like, especially the hard cam, you know, with the with the rising uh, bleacher seats that are visible. And, and um, you know, I, I just think it's it, this building makes for good aesthetics and you could fit a lot of people in there. And um, I think it, it, it it's kind of, you know, kind of represents a new era of this promotion, too. So, um, yeah, and I and I thought the show was excellent and I thought the crowd was great and um, can't say enough about um, how great Will Ospreay is and, and how great he's been for this scene uh, during these rough years in help getting it rebuilt so um yeah so it was an emotional night yeah it was definitely emotional yeah. that you know the the final scene of oku finally beating this guy vanquishing him once and for all like i mentioned he he did the uh now it was before mad before the mad kurt character came to be but the the move that kurt used to use the i think the sega mega driver or something i, I think was the name of it he used that and then hit I think uh, the frog splash off the top to get the pin. So a little bit of a symbolism there too, towards, you know, somebody that was in the scene and, and has since passed or whatever. So that was really cool to see. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Amira played her role great as well in this match as, as Oku second and, you know, gave Osprey the, you know, Osprey gave her, he, he kicked her one time and he gave her the hidden blade when he was trying to give it to Oku, Oku ducked out of the way and Amira got it. And then the final scene of the match was Oku, you know, maybe having a pinfall, 
Osprey kicks out. Then he puts him in the single leg crab. And th- th- sorry, this is how it finished. And then he put him in the single leg crab. And, um, you know, Will Osprey's getting the ropes, getting the ropes, getting the ropes. And then Amira, you know, walks up to him and just gives him the middle finger. And then Oku pulls him back in the middle of the ring and taps him out. It's just a kind of a nice final. Like, you fucked with me. You fucked with the Oku. You fucked with all these people. Now we got you. You're stuck in the middle of the ring. You got to tap out. And, and, and just a great finality to this entire feud. And, and, and for Will Ospreay's, you know, for now, his rep pro career. Uh, and then, yeah, really emotional promo afterwards talking about, you know, you guys have, have stuck with me and I've stuck with you. And it's just, you know, thank you for changing my life, Tony Khan, and, and that sort of stuff right there. So um, good good moment. And, and yeah, the match itself, I, I can't say enough about it. I, I went full five on it. Uh, I know that uh, Dave, has, has written, Dave Meltzer has been raving about it, so I, I assume he's going to put a very high rating on it as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I was an easy five. That's my first five of the year so far because, uh, yeah, it just hit me on a level that, like, again – I've been following this story forever, and I've been following this promotion and following these guys, so it just hit me on a level that it might not hit everybody else. But I thought the work was phenomenal as well. So. All right, let's talk about some of the so, other – oh, sorry, go ahead. So, yeah, I was just going to do the same thing. So the sixth way to open the show, uh, everyone had kind of worked out that the mystery man would be Shigehiro Uri, and they had a surprise on top of that because then after he came out, as everyone expected, Orange Cassidy's music hit, made it a seven-way – and made it for the AEW international title. So um, that blew the roof off the place, and he ended up winning the match. He pinned Richard Holiday, who was uh, in from America, and I guess someone who they might be using a little more moving forward. He looks good. Yeah, I think he, he he's a great fit. When he came out, I was like, yeah, this guy would be a perfect fit for Rep Pro. So hopefully he comes out more. Yeah. Cameron Kai was in the match. He's one of their you know, young, incredible, stupid young talents that they have that they're developing yeah how, how dumb young is this guy is he like 17 or something like that know. they're always he's, so I'm young sure and i'm annoyed like <laughs> right. i mean he's it's so annoying he's, how young he's they really are great but um yeah he's got so much potential but um you know cassidy wins it uh spike trevette was in there and flash morgan webster and shah samuels um i think that's everybody so um that was a crowd pleaser then was the women's title match danny luna and Sapphire Reed, I didn't think anything of this. I thought it was just a match. I didn't think it was bad. Or I anything, thought it was okay, but, but yeah, I, I think um, it, it was okay. Uh, I, I usually like Luna a little bit more, uh, but I, I don't know. It was fine. I, it's not. I, I don't really want to bury it. I don't think it was very worthy. No, it's not very. But it wasn't good. It was just. It was just fine. It was just fine. It was, it was a match that was there. I, I do want to um, note one thing. I did love about um, so our boy <laughs> Gideon Gray was on commentary and he's very loud throughout the night. And, and I, I do understand that he's maybe a little too loud the entire night. He doesn't need to scream all the time, but he's, he pops me all the time. Orange Cassidy comes out, the crowd's going nuts. And he's like, can you believe it? Gideon? Can you believe it? He goes, who is this guy? I just love that Gideon Gray exists, yeah. lives in a yeah. world where he just does it. He has his own universe. Where he's like, he looks homeless. <laughs> Why is he wearing pajamas? <laughs> he's just laughing. I, I just loved yeah. it. It was so good. Lord, get great. Not not understanding where who he is, what what he's doing, why he's he like you know. It's just it's it's great. It's I, full, I yeah, he's that. just yeah. fully entrenched in the gimmick. He just right, right. You know, this guy's not a rev pro guy. I don't know who he is. Right. You know. So, um, so it looks like Oscar Lube and Yuto Nakashima will be. Uh, sent here for their excursion as young blood and they won a match here against a couple of young wrestlers uh karen lacy and mark true i like these guys i was actually kind of impressed by these dudes who young blood or the young brits no no the young brits 
I know young, young Brits. I, I, I yeah. like those guys. I, I, I think... Well, what do you think of them doing this gimmick as young blood? Uh, yeah, no, I like it. I think it's pretty good. They have a good little chemistry going. Uh, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, and they're ready. They're kind of ready to go on an excursion and, uh, you know, Lube. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nakashima, I have to say, <laughs> I don't know. He looks a little more indie than I thought he would out of the young lion you know, with, with, his, with his own look. Yeah, he, but, he's still a little rough, too. He's not all the way there. He's got, like, a big... I like his, like, overall, like, look, like his girth or whatever, I should say, but... um, It's very early. It's yeah, very he, early. And he's still... I think he's 26, and I think Lube is 26 or 25 as well. So they're still relatively young. It also doesn't young. help that Lube is, like, very tall. Yeah, yeah. Lube is, like, 6'7 or something, and, like, a shoot 6'7". So Nakashima is going to look like a little nugget next to him. Yes, like and he does. Because... <laughs> he absolutely does look like a nugget. Yeah. So that, <laughs> you know, so I don't even know if he's six foot, you know, so, um, you know, but, but yeah, it's hopefully because I look, I, I think when guys come here, you know, whether it's great Okan, who was awesome here or whether it's uh, Shota Aminu, who was, you know, eh, up and down, um, you know, this is a good place to park their guys. Again, I just think that, you know, AEW, RevPro, CMLL, New Japan, I, I legitimately could, you can't pick four better promotions to be working. No, 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 no. That, that's, yeah. It's, you know, they're probably, they're not probably, they are my four favorite promotions in the world. Uh, I think I could, you know, let me think about this. Would anyone else, am I forgetting anybody? I don't think so. Um, all, all Japan, maybe, if you want to throw All Japan in there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You know, MLW, of um, course. <laughs> oh, of course. Now, if you're talking about if you're talking about the back half of 2023, it definitely would have been all Japan and not AEW in that top four. Um, but when AEW has their shit together, you know. But anyway, yeah, it's just great that those four promotions are the ones that work together. So Luke Jacobs and JJ Gale. Now, this I thought this ended up being a great match. I thought it they were messy to start. I, I didn't like a lot of the early work, so I'm probably the low man on this match. Um, and I'm not just talking about Gail slipping on the guardrail. That's the obvious. Yeah, no, nah, you know, I don't, I don't get that stuff. Doesn't bother me all that much. You know that it just, I just thought that they, I felt like they were not on the same page for the first five to eight minutes of this, and I thought Jacobs was uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically not very crisp. I thought he had very, uh, like there were little things where I was like, wow, he's not, there's something wrong with him today because he was doing that little choppy rope running that you see like NXT rookies do. And he didn't, he just didn't seem confident and sure of himself in there. And they were, their timing with each other was a little bit off, but then once the match got rolling and they got into it and they got into their, you know, final, the back half of the match, it was great. So um, it was like a tale of two matches for me. I will say these two men had two of the worst haircuts you will ever see in your life. Though. 
so when they both got in the ring, I was like, oh my God, these haircuts are so ridiculous. It's like the the no sideburns uh, hair. They both had the, you know, they both, you know, Luke Jacobs has that. And then Gail yeah. has the exact same hair as Luke Jacobs. And I was like, oh dear God. But um, no, yeah, I, I actually had the exact same thought that you did. And I was kind of surprised because I, I watched the show kind of out of order. Like I, I forgot the show was even on uh, and I was home on the, the day. So I was like, oh shit, I'm going to turn this thing on. So I, I turned it on and I saw a go-go Ricky Knight and everything else live and then I went back and watched the other stuff and people were raving about Jacobs and Gale and I was like oh man here we go and yeah the first I don't know 10 minutes or so I'm like eh, like I know what they're going for but it's just not landing with me maybe it's because my expectations are too high maybe it's just because I, I went in you know with people saying this is a great match and I was like I don't know I'm not noticing it just seemed like a boilerplate like yeah we're gonna chop each other and and, and slug one another type of match or whatever but yeah man those last five minutes they they just they fucking were blitzing each other with, with with strikes and chops and dropping each other on their heads. Just real good dumb jock wrestling bullshit uh, at, at, at those last five minutes or whatever. So they got it together. But, yeah, it, I, I'm with you. I, I can't call it, like, a great, great match because I, I did not love the first couple of minutes, maybe the first 10 or so minutes. But but everything else after that was really, really good. So, yeah, if you want to call it a tale of two matches, that's probably the best way to put it. So Mustafa Ali versus Robbie X, this is the first time I've seen Ali in an indie match, he wasn't doing his. Does he do his Twitter gimmick? Not really. In his American no. indie matches. With no. The, once with he like gets candidate shit. No. Once he gets into the ring and once he comes out, he's basically just Mustafa Ali. You know what okay. I mean? Like, like it, he it's was not... on the show. Right, not... Exactly. Yeah. For when I saw, because I've seen him. I saw him at the the catch show, the one APC catch or whatever in France, and then I saw him live at Dreamwave. And yeah, what he did at Dreamwave was exactly what he did here. It's, right. So he's not he, doing the political campaign. No, he stuff. puts his like hand he puts his hand on his heart sometimes when he gets to the top row, yeah. but that's it. That that's the extent of it. Okay. Um anyway, I thought he looked really good here. And you know, Robbie X is just that guy who you never like the book doesn't match the cover because we always praise how good he is in the ring. And he just he doesn't look like a guy who's gonna be that good in the ring, but he's really he's really very good. I mean, and, and and Mustafa Ali put him over big in the post match, saying how when he found out I was going to be working with this guy, I you know I, I Andy told me I'd be working with the king of the cruiserweights here, and I I knew it was going to be a great match. And he put him over and shook his hand and raised his arm up and everything. Yeah, that was a cool little thing. I mean, he got um, he grabbed the mic immediately and said, "Hey, this isn't character. This isn't shtick. This isn't any part yeah. of it." But like, I just want to say that Robbie X is one of the best goddamn wrestlers in the world right now, and like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they went out there and kicked ass. I mean, this was a really awesome, you know, mid-card match on this show where they didn't, like, steal the show or anything, but it, it was a performance that you would expect out of each of them. And I was watching Ali closely because, again, I haven't seen him yet. You know, I've heard reports, um, but I haven't seen him with my own eyes on the Indies. And as far as him moving forward, I think he's doing the right thing. I think he's getting an exorbitant amount of money to do these shots. And coming off WWE TV, and he should do that. He should not sign anywhere until the well runs dry in that regard. If he can go out there and get two, three, four, five thousand dollars a shot for some of these shows, that's good money, man. Travel the world, have a little fun, travel yeah. the world. You know, you know, because he could sign somewhere at any time. What's the rush? You know, so like you said, travel the world. You want to take a weekend off and hang out with your kid and your wife. You know, before you settle down and sign and get back to the grind. So I think he's doing the right thing in the position he's in. And he's going to be sought after because he's really great. Um, Shingo versus Trent Seven. So you didn't like this. So I guess I'll go first. 
I thought it was pretty good. I mean, look, Shingo has had much better matches against other people. This was hardly an example of the best of Shingo, okay? But, um, you know, and, and there were points in this match where it was obvious that Trent, um, how can I phrase this? I don't think it was an issue of keeping up, but there were some spots that may not have been the smoothest. You know, I thought that apron Death Valley driver or whatever it was looked like it looked like Trent Seven died. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I saw people really banging on this match, but for whatever reason, people hate this fucking guy. And they I don't really, really dislike Trent Seven. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate him. I don't have anything. Against I mean, he him. did, I he did him. play a part in selling the whole scene down a river, uh, but he you did. Know. I get it. Look, I get it. I'm just saying I don't hate him. I, you know, but he, I, it's I, at but a point a now. Well, it's also at a point now where he's just like, He's eating his shit, and now he's back here. He it's like it's all right. You know what I mean? Like you can forgive. He, well, he was the hang your head in shame guy. Yeah, right. You make you make a quote like that. It's gonna be hard to live <laughs> right, right, I mean, right, right. you know, hang your head in shame. He was the hang your head in shame guy, and Pete Dunn was the not the way. Guy. Not the way. Yeah, Pete Dunn was not the way. He was the not the way guy. <laughs> that's great. Those are such great British quotes, though. Like, yeah, that's hang your head in shame. Like, yeah. Yeah, no American guy would be like, not the way. You know, that's just such a British thing to say. <laughs> right, right. You know, not the way. <laughs> you know, so it's like, but yeah, it, it, again, I get why people don't like him and think he's a douchebag. It wasn't my scene that he fucking helped tear down. <laughs> right, you know what right. I mean? Like, I, 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 I get it. Um, but, you know, but you also know me. I, I am very good at compartmentalizing that kind of stuff anyway. I just... I'm looking at the raw performance. That's all. I mean, most of the time I'm able, you know, the vast majority of the time, 99.9% of the time I'm able to do that. And um, I like him as a wrestler. You know, it's, he doesn't always land with me. He's kind of an acquired taste too, in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, sometimes yeah, I fucking look, love his matches and sometimes I hate him. And it's, there's like no in between. Yes, for sure. And you know, you would, and then, now look, I'll be fair. Do you expect a better match? when Shingo Takagi is in it? Yes. Yes, Yes, you absolutely do. Do I think this match was terrible? I don't. I thought it was like a three-star, three-and-a-quarter-star match. I don't know. I think um, it's fair. I think it's fair. No, yeah, I, I hate it. Right? Hate it. Hold on. Start. start hold on. I thought you said it was the worst match in the show. Well, it was the worst match in the show, but I liked this show a lot. I thought the show was really good. Okay. That that's that's kind of where I'm at. I did not hate it. I just thought like two and a half or something. Uh maybe like three. I'm probably about a three. On it, but I, I like the, I think I like the women's match a little bit more than you do. I, I'm about three. I, the, these are about even on my scale, basically. I, I thought the women's match. I didn't match think was... any of the matches were bad. No. I didn't think there was one bad match on the show. No, I really didn't. I really love the next match. Yeah. Um. Oh well, that that's interesting because I thought I was gonna have the hot take: a go-go versus Ricky Knight Jr., which Cage Match hated. Oh fuck that! They've got They're it wrong. At like four point eight or whatever. They're all wrong. Um. Now look, I don't think, I think at this point it's fair to say. I don't think a go-go is ever going to be great at this. What a go-go can be though, is he can understand who he is and work to that. And I think if he understands that there's a place for him in major league pro wrestling. And typically I don't like the punch in the face as a finish. Cause I think it's silly because why wait until 20 minutes into a match to do it? Just do it in the first minute. But because he's a boxer and that's his background, if he can be smart and work his matches around trying to get that knockout blow, I can get into his matches, but he's going to have to be really good at it. 
because he has a lot of deficiencies as a worker. But I don't know. I enjoyed this match. Mm-hmm. It was a little rough around the edges for sure. I think he's going to be, though. I don't mind that. I, I think, yeah, I yeah, think he's going to be. Yeah. I think we're at this point now where he's not going to be a polished professional wrestler. And I don't want to be a polished professional Never. wrestler. I like the idea that he's this boxer that's in this wrestling world. And that's how this match was wrestled. It was Ricky Knight Jr., the wrestler, against Anthony Ogogo, the former boxer who can't box anymore because of his partial blindness in his one eye or whatever. And they told the story of that as well, that there was times where when Ogogo was just brawling with the guy, he had the advantage. And then there was times where he started to try to wrestle with Ricky Knight Jr. And every time he did, Ricky Knight Jr. caught, caught him off every single time. And, and, and they even mentioned it on commentary. And, and, and Gideon Graves, like, you know, Ogogo shouldn't be worrying about trying to out-wrestle Ricky Knight Jr. He's got advantages elsewhere. And then eventually Ogogo just realizes, wait, I'm just going to punch you. And then he just punches him and beats him. And it's like, I think, yeah. I yeah. think there's potential there. It's going to be, you're going to have to be very, everyone's going to have to know the score going into these matches. You cannot have a match where, where any guy is going to have their normal wrestling match with Anthony Ogogo. You can't do that. Everybody's going to have to work it a little bit different, but I do think there's potential there. I do think there's something to it. I agree. I think we have very similar thoughts when we express them different ways, because I think if he works a certain way and he's smart about it, that he could be an effective pro wrestler. But I mean, you know, it's, it's, he, he, he's like you say, he's never going to be polished. No, no, he's 35. I mean, the guy's 35 years old. He's, yeah, he, he's not. Yeah, gonna, it. He's not going to learn how to become a good like, wrestler anytime soon. That, that's done. That, blind, that sh- blind in one eye. And, right. That ship is sailed. I mean, the, be- the, the best you can do is like we t- said with Jade earlier, accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. What are you good at? Yeah. What are you bad at? Let, let's let's figure it out. You, he's a good shit talker. He's got, you know, great promo ability. That sort of yeah. stuff he can do. He can box. He can look like a badass because he looks like a badass. It's just you, 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 he's never going to be able to go in the ring. So you're just going to have to tailor matches in a, in a specific way. But I think he's worth kicking the tires on, at least for a little bit. Maybe in a year's time, you did all the matches you and, and you say, hey, there's not much more I can do with this guy. We're kind of there. We're at, we're at the point where there's not much more we can really do. But I, I, I do think I do think there's some potential there. I do. Listen, I don't play Game Boy, mate. That's just a classic line. <laughs> I, you know, this <laughs> is fucking great. No. Um, Zach Saber Jr. and Connor Mills. I mean, this is fucking rocked. Oh, this match is uh, so good. This this is Zach has been so good so close to as good as the main event too. Which I, I I don't use that lightly. I mean that in the in the best terms. I I like this match almost as much as I like Doku and Osprey. You know, Connor Mills. You know, last year along with Luke Jacobs, I thought they may have been the two most improved wrestlers in the world. You know, I always called Connor Mills the uh, the British. Uh, who's who's my boyfriend? <laughs> Jordan Jr. Oliver. Jordan Oliver. I always called him the British Jordan Oliver. And for a while he was with the weird hair and the dreadlocks and and the terrible gear. The awkward movements. Yeah. And and to be fair, both of them have drastically improved. Yes, they have. You know, I can't mock either one of them. Thanks to you. You challenged both of them and they both improved. So thank you, Joe. You know, I don't – look, and I think with Jordan Oliver, a lot of it is – believe me, I'm not sitting there on fight watching Game Changer every weekend. So because I only see him few and far between – his improvements are like very noticeable when I watch Jordan Oliver. Um, and he has really worked hard to improve. And the same for Connor Mills. I mean, this was a guy two, three years ago where it's like, oh God, you know, this is this is an indie wrestler, all right. But now this is a guy who, by virtue of being in there with people like this, you know, and and 
working all of these shows and and with with top cow he's he's improved drastically and you know those, those observer awards drop in a couple hours i don't expect them to win or even come close i i i'm curious to see if both luke jacobs and connor mills got some down ballot support for most improved wrestling yeah maybe a little but jacobs maybe i doubt mills did no but um i don't i, you know, I doubt either and i didn't vote honest. did you vote this year i didn't i, didn't I i'm done voting on the observer I, awards I, i'm kind of over i it. haven't voted in a while i don't think i, I can't think about 2023 two months into 2024 there's yeah, too many other things know, going on we're, we're doing our match yeah. of the year we're we're trying to move forward on this thing i i, I stopped voting as well <laughs> it's just not worth i i, I yeah. don't know but but zach you can't say enough i mean he's just he's on fire too and and uh what a great match. I mean, yeah, it's to me, it was the second best match in the show um, on a show that was really good. I mean, and, and and Zach gets the win and he'll be an important player moving forward, too. He's going to be the biggest star in the promotion, really, you know, for whenever he pops in. But uh, and then it was the main event, which we talked about. So I know we have a couple more topics to get to and you have a hard out. So, yeah, I mean, it was a really good show with an incredible main event that's has a legitimate chance to be the match of the year. Yeah. And I think on February 22nd, we can safely say that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be the mix. It'll be, it's going to be top 10 without question. I think so. You know, yeah. I, I think... probably top five. I'd be surprised. If that and that's without even knowing what's coming, but I can't imagine there's going to be 10 better matches than that. We we always have a pretty good feel for how. Yeah, I, I usually do. Well, anytime I watch a and, match and we say it, it we're usually on. We're we're, we're usually pretty good about if it's going to be in the top ten. And I, I'm I'm pretty confident this thing's going to be in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the year, but we'll we'll see what ends up happening there. But yeah, great show. Uh, RevProOnDemand.com if you want to watch uh, High Stakes 2024, but it's all available there. I'd say hit play, watch the whole fucking thing. I know that. Yeah, if, yeah. If you're, if you're pressed Sit for out. time, you can watch. Saber and Mills and, and, and Oku and, and Osprey, but honestly, sit down and watch the whole fucking show because I think it's a scene. It's a good scene right now, and you should watch. Yeah, you're going to fire it up, and the file is going to say five hours, but it's not. There's, first of all, there's 45 minutes of dead space at the end of the file. That's <laughs> right, number one. Right, right, which okay. it's, it's so great. So, what happens is, and it happened on the live show too, what happens is the show ends and everybody leaves the, the booth. But nobody turns the camera off. And this apparently happens at every Riff Pro show now. Every Rev Pro show. I watch all the shows. <laughs> so everybody, get, you, so you hear like, you know, you hear Andy Quilden t- put his headset down, getting ready to put his headset down. You start seeing people pick up chairs. Everyone leaves the arena and the camera's still on. And you're like, turn the camera off. Why, are we, why am I watching this? But I was watching. I was like, well, something might happen. I don't know. It's like, Rich, nothing's But even happening. when they turn the camera off, what you get is that screen with the bit with the red X that says no feed from venue. And you get that for a half hour. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, they leave it on there. They <laughs> fucking leave it. On. Because here's the thing, big rev pro show. They did four or five a year. And what do we hear from everyone who parachutes in? Oh, this production. I'm so numb to it. I yeah. It doesn't bother anymore. me anymore. It doesn't I, bother I, me it's anymore. Just, it just is what it is. It fucking sucks. <laughs> it's rev pro. It is what it is. You just have to expect it. The commentary all sounds like this. For <laughs> it just is what it is. Right. I don't even know what the fuck they're saying. Like Andy's talking and then Gideon Gray's talking, but I don't know what the fuck either one of them are saying. Right. It's... But it's also loud. I don't fucking know. It's also it's muffled, but also loud somehow. I don't know how they do it. Make it muffled and loud at the same time is incredible, but they do it. And Andy Quilden, love him as a promoter. I assume he has a hand in the booking. Love him as a booker. 
He's a terrible commentator. All he does is scream and yell. You know, it's, and then the production makes it sound even worse. (laughs) And the sound is always terrible. The video is always like, fucking gabe how's the stream it's, it's a little grainy it's, it's a little potatoey it's got some potato yeah, look but to it's it. like that's the rev pro experience yeah like, but i don't I fucking care because the wrestling's great i don't care anymore yeah i just i just i know what i'm gonna get um so yeah the file isn't really five hours you got 45 minutes of dead air you can skip entrances skip the osprey speech you know and, and at that point it's a normal fucking three hour super show of a promotion it's Sit down on a lazy look. NFL's over. Yeah, what else you got? Fucking all star. What the hell is you gonna NBA do? NBA all star break is over now. Are they back? Uh, they NBA played today. Back, they started but... today. It's fucking February NBA. It, it, baseball hasn't started yet. This is the time. Just sit down on a lazy fucking Saturday. It's a good show. You'll enjoy yourself. So let's talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we've talked a lot about them over the last couple of weeks. I think last week was the show where we did like two hours about New Japan. Uh, obviously, New Beginning Sapporo coming up this weekend, uh, night one on the 23rd. Actually, wow, by the time most of you guys listen to this, that show will have already happened in night two on the 24th. Uh, the big matches you need to know about on night one, uh, Yuji Nagata and Zack Sabre Jr. in a singles match. I like that one. Uh, you have David Finley versus Nick Nemeth for the global heavyweight title. That presumably is going to be your main event. So Nick Nemeth getting a main event spot here uh, in Sapporo to start out his New Japan Pro Wrestling career. Uh, New Japan World TV title, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defending against Matt Riddle. Evil versus Shota Umino for the uh, Never Openweight title. El Desperado versus Show for the junior title. Uh, and Mayu Iwatani versus Mina Shirakawa for the IWGP women's title. So that's the big show, uh, big is matches. This, is this Shir- is this Shirakawa any good? Uh, yeah, she's okay. I, I some got, some people love her. I don't. I don't think she's very good. Okay, they're gonna get eleven minutes. Can that be a good match in eleven minutes? Uh, yeah, I think it could be good in eleven minutes. Okay. Um. So my takeaways here, and we don't need to go over the tags. Although these are Okada's final two matches. Right, right. and, and Tamatonga's final matches, so we should talk about those. Right. Um, but my takeaway on the business end of the card would be, I get the sense that Nick Nemeth is just dropping by, so he'll probably lose, and that'll be it for him. We're going to find out real quick if Matt Riddle is going to be in this promotion moving forward because he has said, I don't know if you saw this, but he did some kind of media interview. It wasn't the Chris Van Vliet thing. It was something else. He said he has more dates with new Japan coming up this year. So he's going to, he could beat Tanahashi. I'm not, I think he can win that match. You think think he could pin Okada night two and beat Tanahashi at night one. (laughs) Yes. That's not impossible. I agree. I mean, I think he can win that title on night one. And I think he can be become the leader of United empire on night two, which a lot of people, the obvious speculation is that he could replace Osprey in that unit. Yeah. Or they can blow the unit up and he and do whatever the case is, though. Because Jeff Cobb's right there. They've been a tag team. Right? The uh Chosen Bros, isn't that Cobb and Riddle? Ooh, and then was that yeah, was that their name? I think it was. I think you're right. And Cobb and Riddle were going to be in a world tag league mm-hmm. before WWE came in and signed Riddle. So Chosen Bros, you're right. It's yeah, so it's Riddle doing something with Cobb, whether it's this unit or the unit breaks up or whatever the fuck, right, is on the table. And Tanahashi is opposite him in the tag as well. I think he could win that title. And then I think they could do an angle on night two coming off of that 10-man tag. Because 
we now know that Riddle has more dates. Nemeth, I think this is going to be it because he signed the Impact. Now, that doesn't mean they can't use Nemeth in the U.S. like they're doing in Chicago because he's on the right, Chicago. Right, team. right, right. But do I think Nick Nemeth is going to be going over for New Japan tours? I don't get that sense at all. No, and I don't think he's I winning think this he's title either. I, I'd be stunned if he won this title. No, this is them putting – look, look. Finley's getting the fucking rocket pack. Mm-hmm. No one likes it, but he is, and he's going to beat Nemeth. And he sent Will Ospreay packing out of the territory, and it is what it is. And we see if it catches on. I don't think it will. <laughs> I'm going to guess it will not, but. But they're going to try. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that Matt Riddle is going to be a fixture on this roster moving forward based on, you know, just reading the tea leaves of this booking on these two shows. And then, uh, so obviously you have the Okada match on night one. Uh, we, we've mentioned that last week. Uh, you know, he's teaming with the Chaos guys, basically, against United Empire. Uh, night two matches you need to know about here. Naito and Sonata in your main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. What is your percent chance hey, that Sonata before, wins the title hey, be- back? Real quick before that, Yuji Nagata versus Zack Sabre Jr. I'm in. I love it. One. I mean, with the year Sabre's having, you know, I mean, look. That is a chance to be a kick-ass undercard. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it does. And the guy Yuji's been great. I I love. I still love Yuji Nagata. In the right so, uh, with the right opponent, he could still go in a very big way. Yeah, and you know, so and then there's a couple other tags, but yeah, and then night two, um, go ahead and, and so you got Naito versus there. Sonata for the world heavyweight title. I'm asking you percent chance that Sonata defeats Naito to retain or to, to, to win back this title. I have no feel for this. Um, I can't say zero. It's not zero. It can't be zero. It's not. It's not zero. Some of these matches you're like, okay, it's zero. This one's not. I don't know. I think with the current state of the company, unfortunately, Sonata is the top guy and it wouldn't stun me if they go back to him. I mean, it, you know, it, it wouldn't even stun me. You're going to puke in your mouth. But would it surprise you at all if Naito, this will be their second match, right, this year? Yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. Would it surprise you if they have two more? Mm. And it, this is the and this is a series of matches all year. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise, surprise me. me. I don't want it, but it wouldn't surprise no, me. No, do not want. Do not fucking want. But I could see Sonata winning. They're not exactly brimming with top, uh, tippy top stars, and these are the tippy. These are right. two of the tippy top guys. So yeah, and then you know Naito wins like fucking New Japan Cup or right. whatever, because two of their other guys are leaving. And... Two of the other guys are gone. So yeah, you're kind of then they then they face each other in a G1 final or at fucking yeah. King of Pro. I could see this being one of Gato's things where, where there's like four of the same match in mm-hmm, one year. Because mm-hmm. what else does he have to turn to right now? Yeah, that's that's exactly my point. Who else? Who's the next and man if, up? And if Knight. And if Naito wins, he's beaten him twice in a row, and then you know, it's really hard to get to another match. So I don't know. I, I can't put it at zero. I'd right. put it at like 40%. I, that's kind of where I was going to go. Yeah, I was going to go 40%. I, I still would probably put the favorite on Naito retaining, but I, I don't think it's impossible for the exact reason that you mentioned there. It's like, what else do you do? If Naito just beats this guy, you kick Sonata down the road, you know, all right, hit the bricks, pal. Okay. Who's next? You know, are, who's been built they up to be ever, next? 
are they ever going to do this Naito Hiromu anniversary show champ versus champ? They match better. Ever? Here we go. Great time to do it. I think it's coming up soon. So let's put, but Hiromu is not the champion. So I don't know. that's what I mean. When are they going to fucking Damn do it? it? <laughs> and Hiromu's not even on the horizon. I mean, right. You know, the Despy's current feud is show. And like, what are we waiting for? We get, I mean, I think everyone would like to see that. But it never lines up. And I thought for sure this was the year we'd get it. But here we are. I don't know. Mm. I just, you know, Naito Sonata being the through line of 2024 <sighs> is not, not like. something that gets my juices flowing. <laughs> no. I mean. No. And that's why I think, you know, Riddle is going to be a guy because they need guys. They need guys. They need guys in the, in the worst way. Because they, they, they have people. They don't have guys. They have a lot of they have a people. A lot of people on the roster. Not a whole lot of guys. Uh, hair versus hair match. Yota Suji versus Yuya Uemura. Who's losing their hair, Joe? I hope it's not Yota Suji. Um, let's you know. Look, matches like this is what they need. Then let's definitively put people over in feuds and get some of these guys over. Let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Let's cut some fucking hair. I you know. I don't know. I don't know who's getting the haircut, but look, I suspect Uemura is losing. I would. Ex- yeah, I would expect that too. Um, but what that's am I basing heat. that on? That's some good heat. If Yotsuji loses that hair, that's good heat. It is. Memphis Gato, he likes um, heat. My man likes heat, and he likes hair for Sarah. <laughs> he's, he's been watching he's been watching his Memphis tapes, clearly. Yeah, I think that... Um, but, but you know what gives me pause is Suji won the gauntlet in Corrigan. Mm-hmm. So maybe Uemura wins the hair here. Yeah, I I, I, th- I don't think it's impossible. I think that's that's good heat. I, like I'm saying, that's really really. I think about how angry people would be cutting that Yotsuji hair. That'd be that'd be. I, I think that's got some possibility. But yeah, either way, I, I, yeah. like you said, I'm glad during the semi main event. It's a definitive match. It's time to go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you need guys. Let's kick this into high gear here. Uh, Taichi versus Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi versus Duki, and Takamichi Noka versus Bushi. I, I, I'm not really excited about any of those. but uh, Yeah, but I'd rather have singles matches than endless tags. Sure. And you never know what comes out of them. There could be angles coming out of these. So. And then, then Nick Nemeth gets the gift of teaming with Taguchi. <laughs> I guess the War Dogs. Yeah, Finley and Gato. Uh, and then Girls of Destiny, final match for Tamatonga and New Japan Pro Wrestling versus the Girls of Destiny. Girls of Destiny versus Girls of Destiny. Uh, and now, thankfully, we'll never, ever, ever, ever see this match ever again. So, Yeah, Tamatonga had a nice New Japan career. Um, I remember him as a young boy. I remember him doing the Jimmy Snuka routine with mm-hmm. the no boots and the you know, cheetah print or whatever animal that was print fucking tights. And um, then original bullet club member and with Fale and, and, and Prince Devitt. And then a lot of years of the same old shit. <laughs> doom, doom, doom. I'll, I'll miss, I'll miss that fucking song playing. Great theme. Great, great <laughs> it's a great theme, theme but I'll, I'll, I'll miss the, that booming through the Tokyo dome at, you know, 2 a.m. as I'm sitting there, you know, hugging yeah. a, a hugging a cup of coffee and a bowl of cereal, like ah, do, 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 do. You know, just... 
<laughs> slinking down to the ring. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's a terrible rendition. It's by not the way, good, but we it's get the idea. Good. You got the, the idea. idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll remember the promos with the Briscoes during that feud that were really good. I'm trying to accentuate the positives. Yeah. Um, and well, he's a better wrestler than people think. No, he's 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 good. Yeah, he's just been caught doing the same shit forever. I, when he did the Bayface run, I thought that was great. When they finally, after what yeah. what nine years or whatever, eight nine years of him being what he was, yeah, the Bayface run was pretty good. But then it it, it kind of, you know, what I mean, like after a little bit, you were like, ah, you know what, we're kind of back to just the same thing with him but no i, I think there's i think there's stuff there, 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 there's he's got he's got more potential he's got more that he can can offer the wrestling world so and then obviously the final quota match and yeah that's that's about it a few other tag matches on that show but that is uh that's new japan's weekend so we will uh preview or, or review all that stuff uh next week's show uh before we get out of here i think we got it all yeah uh, two more things here real quick so TNA No Surrender, pay-per-view this Friday. Yes, TNA has a pay-per-view this Friday. Moose versus Alex Shelley, a TNA world title No Surrender rules match. Moose defending the title against Alex Shelley. Jordan Grace defending against Giselle Shaw, the TNA Knockouts world title. TNA X Division title. Chris Saban defending against Mustafa Ali. TNA World Tag Team title best of three series match number three. Uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. TNA Knockouts World Tag Team Titles. Decay, Havoc, and Rosemary, who are the champions, versus MK Ultra, Killer Kelly, and Masha Slamovich. Simon Gotch versus Josh Alexander. And PCO versus Khan. Yes, the former Connor from uh, whatever the fuck the team was. <laughs> what was the team? I don't even remember what their fucking team was anymore. Uh, the, uh, the Ascension. The Ascension, that's it. Yes. If you're wondering, hey, whatever happened to Khan? Nor well, he's here well, in TNA as Khan. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's TNA No Surrender. Um, eh, yeah, I don't know. It's TNA mm-hmm. man, I don't know. <laughs> just I'll procrastinate until fucking Thursday afternoon <laughs> to get that done. Yeah, and uh, have be ready for the show next week. Um, one thing I'm baffled by. I know we don't have a lot of time. I'll make it quick. One thing I am baffled by is this idea that Tony Khan needs to bring in Scott Demore. What has Scott Demore? I mean, what what is it about TNA that has impressed people at all in terms of their creative direction or their shows or their booking, to where people think Scott Demore would have anything productive to add to to what AEW does? I am baffled by this. TNA is not some incredibly booked promotion. They have no growth, which is why he doesn't have a job. By the way, um, they never grow. They can't sell tickets to sell to save their lives. Um, their shows are constantly riddled with multi-person matches. This one isn't. And he's gone. So maybe we could start blaming him for that. Um, and, and inner gender and the undead realm. I, I am baffled by this idea that people think he, he is AEW savior. I mean, right? People like the guy, Tony, which is is good. You should be like, it's good to be liked. There's nothing but... wrong with that. Look, yes, it's great that the talent lo- likes him and and would probably like to work for. It. That's like a great positive. It really is. I have never looked at the Scott Demore era of TNA and thought to myself, man, that is a bright wrestling mind that has his shit together. Never. I am never excited by their booking. It is very functional, boring booking and anything they do that's creative i never like i don't like anything they do that 
I hated Josh Alexander winning the title, then losing it two minutes later to, to, to fucking Moose. Um, I can go right down the line. Some of the shit that I brought up earlier, the undead realm nonsense and all the inner gender that, that the more fell in love with and sticking a thousand people in all the pay-per-view matches for no reason whatsoever. I don't think he has anything to offer AEW no. from a creative standpoint. I, I am baffled by that. And he obviously, look, I have nothing against Scott Demore. He, he, this company has not grown. Guys, that's why he doesn't have a job anymore. They don't grow. Their, t- their TV ratings don't grow. Their pay-per-view doesn't grow. They can't sell tickets. The biggest gig they've done in a decade was off of 1,500 fans. I mean, you know, this is why he doesn't work there anymore. Why would anyone be fucking clamoring to hire this guy? You know, and again, I have nothing against him. But can we pump the brakes on Scott the more creative genius? Can we please calm down? Please, based right. on what? Or, or, or point to what in the last two years. Let's point go with the last... Done. Go with the last two years with TNA and Impact. What what has he done in the last two years that's made you say this 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 specific story, this specific guy, this specific elevation? This is the stuff that AEW needs right now in this company. That caught on and did business. Right. I mean, okay, hard to kill. Did a shockingly good pay per view number. We all know it's because of the novelty of going back to the TNA name, which is fine. You do what you do to draw, but we're gonna find out real soon with no surrender. And and everything else coming up, that that was the and and we all suspect that was the case. We know it wasn't because it was some well booked show. They didn't even have TV the three weeks leading up to it. Right, that, that's there how you know no it was just the novelty of the the new name because they didn't. It was have the novelty of the name TV. and the curiosity of <laughs> yes, because they didn't even have go home shows. They didn't have TV for three weeks. It was the novelty and the curiosity of going back to the TNA name, which is fine. But they haven't grown at all. They do, like, there's some weeks where there's not a huge difference in viewership between TNA and New Japan, and New Japan airs two hours later at 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, they never grow the TV. I I don't know. I just, and, and it puts me in a position to bury a guy that I have nothing against. But this, this, overwhelmed first of all that he was wronged well where's the growth if the company was making money and had any growth they wouldn't have got rid of him okay that's number one and number two where's this body of work that supports the fact that he should be anywhere near the room in AEW with Tony Khan someone who has proven that he could be successful at a major league level in pro wrestling granted all of the differences in um resources and everything else that you have to take into but the point look we don't have time for a full-on segment but what has scott Demore ever done to earn like that kind of position he's also a guy Someone who's had me. a lot of years at the helm too it's not it's not just been the last couple years in tna i mean there, there was years years and years where where he was he was part of the team as well or, or the head of the team or whatever and it's so honestly i'd rather have new voices in the room than than this guy and, and nothing we're against just gonna add him to an already too, an already right. clustered room that AEW has. Right. If too many voices as it is. Now we're going to add Scott Demore in the mix so he can stand up and go, I think we should do some intergender. No, thanks. I'll pass on Scott Demore. Now, you want to bring him in as some kind of, uh, I don't know, talent relations guy because he seems to be very popular among talent. I could see that. 
I could totally see that. But does he want to do that? Feels like kind of a demotion. I don't know. But anyway, that's just something that's been bugging me all week. Josh Alexander, they exercised his option. I feel like that's a bigger story than people think. Not because there's rumblings that Alexander was hoping that they wouldn't exercise his option. And I don't know whether that's true or not. Well, I will say one one thing that was interesting about the whole rollout of this was so TNA released a uh, they did a tweet about Josh Alexander resigning with TNA that tweet got deleted and a new one got sent out with saying TNA has exercised <laughs> Josh Alexander's options so, so what's your or what's extended your conspiracy theory that well, he didn't like the verbiage I think that he didn't like the verbiage yeah okay kind of saying look guys I didn't resign with you guys you extended my option all right that that's fine, and even if that's the case, look, you signed a contract that had a company option. It is what it is, mm-hmm. you know. But but the point I want to make is I think it's that's the less interesting part, even though that's what everybody's focusing on. To me, the more interesting part there is we're all waiting to see if they're going to lean this company out. This was a great opportunity to see if they're going to just start letting talent whose contracts come up walk to save some money. Especially a big contract. Like, I'm assuming Josh Alexander's got to be... I would assume he's one of the bigger ones. He's got to be one of the top three, if not the top. You know, may, I don't know, maybe Shelly or something like that is a little higher. Maybe Moose is a little higher, but he's got to be up there. He's in the... He's in top 25%. Oh, I mean, God, no, no, no. It's top 5%, easily. At minimum. Yeah. So it's like, this was, all right, someone's contract is up. We hold the option. They didn't let him walk. They exercised the option and picked it up. Which tells me that's something to keep an eye on. You know, now, now here, now that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they might just value him, right? The next five contracts that come up, they might let these people walk. So, but to me, that's the more interesting aspect of the story. The first chance, post the more, with bean counters in charge now, they picked up someone's option, they didn't let them walk. So that to me is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, too. I think that's an interesting thing that, that this this was the first opportunity for the new regime to just say, hey, great, your, your options up. We can save X whatever dollars, have fun, leave, go. We don't, you know, the fact that they picked him up is, is interesting. It's definitely interesting. It, it means that maybe maybe this operation isn't going to get as lean as we thought. Now, who knows, you know, in other ways, they might see him as so valuable that he's worth retaining. And then there might be several other people that come up and they say, actually, this person's not worth it. But, but for right now. Maybe we think Josh Alexander right, is right. one of the few guys that we are willing to, you know, invest in for the next year or whatever that may be. So, yeah, they, I mean, they still might have designs on cutting budget, but feel that he is someone worth retaining. Right, right. He's, he's one of the few guys on this roster, maybe, that they think, OK, this guy is actually worth the money and, and, and worth paying to keep uh, this thing alive. Right. Um, and then there was the hourglass emojis. That uh, several TNA wrestlers tweeting out hourglass emojis. Were they just fucking around? Were they hinting about something bigger happening? What's going on here? What was your read on the hourglass emojis that were uh, all the rage uh, for TNA wrestlers uh, this week? So Sean Ross Sapp said someone's contract was coming due um, because he likes to tease his stories before he publishes them because he thinks that drums up business. And then when he posted that tweet, people started speculating on who it might be. And then the TNA wrestlers picked up on that. And Josh Alexander was the first one to post the hourglass and, and then some other people followed suit. It ended up being Macklin, Steve Macklin, whose mm-hmm. contract is coming up. 
Um, I think my read on it was the wrestlers were just fucking around and fucking around with the fans and Alexander posted his hourglass because his name was seemed to be the prominent one that people were speculating on. And then I think Jordan Grace did it. And then everybody on the roster just did it. And I think they were just goofing around. Yeah, I, Once, I don't once Tommy it. Dreamer I, did it, you were like, oh, I don't know what's going on here anymore. <laughs> you know, it's... I think it was just a goof. Chris Bay and everybody. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything to read into with it. I think they were just all, as our British friends would say, taking the piss and just yeah, they got some they got some pub out of it though. People were talking it about got it. Got a little buzz. Yeah, it definitely got a little buzz. And Macklin's contract isn't um, up until like May, so for people wondering, like, oh man, Macklin's the next to go. It's not until May, so it's like, God, it's well, all weird. It's, I mean, Macklin, Macklin clearly wants everyone to know when his contract is up, yeah. and that's when that kind of news breaks. Yeah, but people get. If you're not already used to this, get used to this. There is a very deliberate attempt to let people know, usually via reporters like Sean Ross, have to let the world know that your contract is up and you are a free agent and you are able to be negotiated on with. this date, on this whatever date. Because right, you're putting feelers out there. Every wrestler's and doing it now, so get used to this. Every, we saw, all doing it. saw it with the and War Dogs. We're seeing it with Macklin. Get used to it. <laughs> this is the um, new uh, ELP. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He did that interview and wasn't even being asked about his contract and just kept bringing it up. I mean, <laughs> this is what they, cause you know, they want to see if there's interest out there and this, this is, and it's the right game to play. And, and I'm not knocking, and I'm not, we're not knocking Sean. If a wrestler came to us and said, and said, Hey guys, my contract, I'm going to fucking put, I'm gonna post that shit on our paywall that, that whoever's contract, you know, whoever it is. And here's their contract. You know, but that's from the wrestler perspective. That's that's what they're doing. They're letting everyone know because they don't have to say anything. You know, where where else is that information coming from? The promotion's not going to put that out there. It's the wrestler wants that out there to see if there's interest. So that's uh, that's TNA. Real quickly here before we get out, uh, Wrestle Universe. Big changes coming to Wrestle Universe. That's obviously if you watch Noah, Tokyo Joshi Pro, DDT. That's all in Wrestle Universe. Uh, they sent out an email this morning telling people about price increases coming to the streaming service. Uh, but with those price increases, you're also getting the addition of several new promotions and content. You're getting Ma- Monday Magic Season Two all episodes live. I don't oh, know. Oh well. I don't know what Monday Magic Season 2 is, but uh, all episodes are now going to be live on Wrestle Universe. Thank God. Uh, Exclusive live broadcast of all matches of the new brand, Limit Break. So there's a new sub-brand of Noah called Limit Break. More exclusive broadcasts of Noah, Cork, and Hall events beginning in March. All right. So that's pretty cool. March 31st, Cork and Hall show will be uh, exclusively broadcast in Japanese and English on Wrestle Universe. We will continue to announce more events after April, so just maybe just more stuff streaming on there. Uh, Genbari Pro, which announced its independence from Cyberfight, will continue to be distributed on Wrestle Universe. So do not worry. I know you were worried about Genbari Pro, but you can still watch it. Um, they also have extended the universe of the Wrestle Universe. They will stream the following companies' video on demand content Michinoku Pro, Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling, and Real Zero One. Now, the zero one thing is weird. I don't know if you've been following this. What's going on with this real zero one and zero one? I don't have a really good read on it, but obviously we we cover zero one like you know, maybe not as much as as the Emerald Flow show. They might cover zero one a little bit more. 
there's something weird going on with the Zero One thing because these real Zero One shows are basically these sub brand offshoot shows of Zero One. And you might be asking, why the fuck does Zero One need an offshoot brand? Does Zero One have a roster to sustain a sub brand or an offshoot show? And they really don't. These real Zero One shows are essentially the same. They're, they're, they feel like Zero One shows. They have all the same talent, all the same people, most of the same guys. I don't know what's going on. Some people have speculated that maybe there's some issue with the original Zero One branding and Shijiro Otani, who's obviously having his issues uh, right now and I'm still paralyzed and, and obviously never going to return to the ring. Like Maybe he doesn't want to give up the name, so they're going to come and make the sub-brand so that they can actually still run shows or whatever. I don't know what it is, but real Zero One's going to be on Wrestle Universe, so we'll see when these shows start popping up. Uh, what that's going to be. But hey, I, more accessible Zero One is fine with me. Uh, Michinoku Pro Sendai Girls Wrestling will also be available on Wrestle Universe moving forward. And also, comment AI translation. Users can now translate comments posted during live broadcasts into Japanese and or English. Use AI translation to enjoy professional wrestling in real time with people worldwide. I won't be using that, but anyway. Just with, just with Zero One needed an offshoot. <laughs> right, and that's why it's like, it's weird. When you look at the real Zero One shows, which there are more of them than there are Zero One shows now, and it's pretty much all the same wrestlers, something weird's going on there, and I, I don't know enough. Kind of money washing or... S- something strange, or like we can't... business or something. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. Or like, Otani owns Zero One trademarks, but we don't really want to, you know, he won't sell it. I, I don't know what it, I don't know what's going on there, but regardless... Real Zero One will be on Wrestle Universe moving forward. So there you go. And uh, finally, before we get out of here, did want to just make a quick mention here. Uh, AAW out of Chicago. Now, I will not be going to the show on Friday. I have tickets, but unfortunately, I have to go to a wake. So uh, I have given my tickets up. But uh, they are celebrating their 20th anniversary this Friday uh, with AAW Legacy. And I just kind of want to point out that uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I've gone to a lot of their shows. I've probably gone for the last... 13 to 14 years or so I've gone to as many of their shows as I possibly can go to. But, uh, yeah, 20 years uh, for AAW. That is not easy to do for an independent wrestling company to still do that. And they're still they're still running. They're still selling out shows. They're still doing a pretty good uh, business. So uh, cool for them to uh, do that. They might be out of the limelight or the social media buzz sphere these days as they're no longer super indie like they were uh, uh, you know, several years ago or definitely before uh, AEW. But uh, AEW is still out there. Uh, Doing work, running uh, monthly, and celebrating 20 years this Friday. I believe that show is available on the High Spots Network. I think that's where they live stream stuff, the High Spots Network. So, show itself, there's nothing too crazy on the show. It's, it's kind of their core roster that they've had for the last year or so. But uh, yeah, I just thought I want to point that out that uh, pretty cool to celebrate 20 years for any wrestling promotion, especially an independent wrestling yeah. promotion. Yeah. And uh, there we go. So that is it for us, folks. Uh, make sure you subscribe to FlagshipPatreon.com for bonus audio uh, from Joe and I, including the Thursday Dynamite Review. I did a brand-new episode, or a brand-new episode of Brett versus Owen. Um, I look at the Brett Hart versus Owen Hart feud from 1994. I will be out pretty soon. I'm churning through the, uh, the franchise, a series about Sting. Uh, so... Sting's greatest matches through all the different eras of his career, so we're doing that series. Uh, on Flagship Patreon, I did the written piece that I talked about, uh, about the quotes about Vince McMahon. That is up there. And, of course, next week we'll have uh, Instant Reaction Live for AEW Revolution, so that should be a lot of fun uh, next Saturday as well, or next Sunday uh, as well for AEW Revolution. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that is it for us. So we will talk to you again next time. Again, subscribe on uh, your podcast app of choice, voiceofwrestling.com, previews, reviews, columns, all that other good stuff. Anyway. That is Joe. I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. Uh, 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 uh. Competition's
Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. <laughs> 